0: Mm-hmm. Bring right. him straight, go, back. Go, 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 straight down, straight down. He's facing down, and that's going to be the time you it's going oh, to Oh, he
2: got it. This is great. He made the oh, 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 oh. oh. <laughs> <laughs> beautiful he's Tap out the Beautiful victory. Oh, we'll Mark it. Coleman. Get in, man. it. Ah, he's, not <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's, yeah, he's, he's playing
1: check. to the crowd. He loves it. He's in the oh, crowd. That was a huge
2: victory. What a victory. My Mark Coleman is back.
0: He is back. Big time. Going to back. Mark Coleman is back big time. A huge victory. Probably the toughest, well, for sure the toughest tournament he ever fought in.
2: The winner is Mr. What a tremendous victory. Mark Coleman prevails, wins the Pride Fighting Championship. <laughs> Alright,
0: let's get it going right here. Right now. This is the two man power trip of wrestling. And you are listening here to a fightin' episode of the Two Man Power Trip of Wrestling Podcast. If you didn't know by now, my name is Chad, and as always, I'm joined by my tag team partner, the one and only J.P. John Paz. And John, last week on the show, we knuckled up with a little Ken Shamrock, and this week, we dive even deeper into the octagon as we welcome in Mark the Hammer Coleman for what could be described as the longest- and most comprehensive interview in the history of the two-man power trip of wrestling podcast. And that is saying something because we have had quite the list of these long and detailed and great, like what I like to equate them to like barstool conversations, two guys sitting at the bar chit chatting about life careers and all the stories in between. But John, I know for you, this was a big deal sitting down with Mark the hammer Coleman, a guy who's got a long history in the fighting world And I think you two, uh, you really cut a rug in this episode.
3: Yeah, it was a long time coming to get him on, too. Because you think about it, we've done, now it's going to be 413 episodes. From the very beginning, you always think of those guys, legendary guys, whether it be MMA or pro wrestling, you want to get him on. And obviously, if you follow the history of Mark Hammer Coleman, he did do some pro wrestling. And we do give that into the interview as well. But, I mean, really, the godfather of the ground and pound and the MMA, the first ever UFC heavyweight champion. I mean, this guy is just an epic icon in the world of MMA. And we delve into everything in his career from top to bottom. Like you said, three-hour epic with Mark and it's just awesome to get him on and just one of those things like man I waited this long to get him on like it was well worth it to get that long of a conversation out of the hammer such good stuff I mean when you think about all the MMA guys that we had on the Ken Shamrocks like you mentioned Dan Severn, Don Frye Josh Barnett you think of who else is you know in that echelon that huge name in the MMA world Mark the Hammer Coleman has got to be at the top of that list love talking to him about UFC love talking to him about pride love talking to him about his time in the pro wrestling world just a great all-encompassing fun interview with the man himself
0: it's so cool yeah and it's long so we're not going to keep you from uh, getting into this interview we want to make sure that you guys can really delve into it and break it down just like John did but John I mean you go down the list really quickly you know you're Dan the Beast you're Ken Shamrock's Don Fry. I mean these are great marquee uh, fighters and then guys who went into the wrestling world, but why do you think Mark Coleman didn't really stick with the uh, the professional wrestling realm?
3: I just felt like he really got into it late. If you really follow his career and follow you know his his MMA run, man, did he have some barn burners? And man, did he have just some epic fights and winning the two thousand Pride Grand Prix and beating Igor Volchansen in the main event there and just being able to. Make that comeback in his career and have all those tough fights, and then fight the Fedors of the world and the Antonio, uh, uh, excuse me, Antonio Maguera, uh the Crow Cops of the world, just the top MMA guys, and really, really have these battles with the big nogs and the Fedors and the Crow Cops and guys like that. Is just, I think it weighed a lot on him and kind of really hurt him if you think about it, because all those fights and all those battles and all those tough opponents are really just weigh a lot and you're not maybe able to do as much uh, pro wrestling or do as much other stuff as you want just because you absolutely kill your body and you train so hard. And he's one of those guys that he does everything full bore, 1,000%, and he's not going to dog it at all. So, you know, taking the dip into the pro wrestling world I think was just one of those things just like, yeah, I could do it on the side. I can do New Japan and All Japan and Hustle and Zero One and IGF. I could do all those a little bit on the side, but my body's not really going to hold up because of the wars and the battles of the MMA world. And, you know, he fought MMA long after he was doing pro wrestling, too. So I think MMA was really his true love. And I think pro wrestling was really something that he wanted to do. It was just something probably more along the lines of, I'm going to do this for money because I can and because that's what the fans are calling for.
0: I'm sorry, we have to back up to Igor Rochera. Was that the name
3: of the- No, no, Igor <laughs> Vo- Vochansa. Vochansa.
0: Okay. Yes. All right. Because I'm sitting here. And, saying, and, I'm waiting for and, his epic next. <laughs>
3: and. Oh, that would be awesome, and Antonio Rodrigo Nogueira, who is also known as Big Nog. <laughs> okay, so, gotcha. some some awesome guys. Igor <laughs> love undefe- those names. <laughs> Igor's unbelievable fighter was undefeated for about uh, I think it was at least forty wins in a row, something like that. Had a, I think it was at least four or five years. Just unbelievable fighter, and Mark Coleman in the Pride Grand Prix in two thousand. Just frankly, just dominates him and really finishes him strong. So that's one of uh, his big career moments, and that was his really kind of resurgence in, in MMA. It was really a great comeback from the Hammer.
0: He's available for birthdays, uh, bar mitzvahs, and weddings. If you want John to come and talk to you about fighters, that if you thought he had some wrestling knowledge, just strap in for this interview here with uh, Mark the Hammer Coleman. So a lot going on in the TMPT world. Stay tuned to the Twitterverse for that. A lot of stuff being announced and a lot of cool things in the works. We got a lot of stuff at our fingertips that we're ready to get rolling, but we're not going to keep you any longer as we get into this great interview here with the Hammer... Mark Coleman.
3: Now for some TMPT business. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Two Man Power Trip and at Rasslin Pal. Please subscribe to us on YouTube. Also, subscribe to us on iTunes. Please leave us a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. Also, while on iTunes, check out the feed for prior legendary episodes featuring the living legend Bruno Sammartino, the late great American Dream, Dusty Rhodes, The Enforcer, Arn Anderson, Ray Mysterio Jr., Glenn Kane, Jacobs, the phenomenal AJ Styles, lead WWE attorney, Jerry McDivitt, and so many others. Also, while you're on the internet, check out ProWrestlingTees.com. Yes, that is ProWrestlingTees.com. They are your superstore for all your wrestling t-shirt needs. Check out our page, check out Tito Santana, Coco Beware, Kevin Thorne, Magnum TA, and so many others. And for all you Android users, please hit us up on Google Play or Player FM. And all you iOS users, please check us out on TuneIn Radio, Automatic, Spotify, and now iHeartRadio. And now, without any further ado, a UFC World Heavyweight Champion, a UFC Hall of Famer. He is the godfather of the ground and pound. He is the hammer, Mark Coleman. Enjoy. UFC Hall of Famer is a former UFC World Heavyweight Champion. You may know him as the godfather of ground and pound. He is, of course, Mark the Hammer Coleman. Mark, welcome to the two-man power trip.
1: Uh, Thank you, sir. How are
3: you? I am doing good. How are you doing? I know um, you said to me kind of uh, off air, you you know, you're back. The the Hammer is kind of uh, back. So what have you been up to and uh, how's the Hammer getting back in the game?
1: Just uh choice I decided to make you know get um, get my shit together and uh, build my brand and get out there and reconnect with the fans and uh, do the Twitter, do the instagram and 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 making stuff happen. I'm in a good place mentally right now, and i'm I'm gonna stay there sober life. And uh, it's a good thing. It's the only way to go, and I'm feeling pretty good about it.
3: That is excellent. And you mentioned the social media. What's it like getting kind of out there on the social media? I know there's obviously some jungles and some badlands out there. But what do you? And you know, what's your kind of uh, take on this whole social media thing?
1: Doc, uh, can you say that again? Because I, I i got a I got a text right when you asked the question. I'm sorry.
3: Hey, no problem. Just talking about social media and kind of, you know, what's, what's it been like, you know, it it could be a jungle out there and you said you're kind of trying to get back out there. What's your experience been like on, on the social media platforms?
1: Um, it's been, uh, it's just, uh, social media. I, I, I've been kind of laying in hibernation for the last six, seven years, uh, not getting much done, uh, making some mistakes, making some bad choices and, uh, just being lazy and I just decided I made up my mind. I'm going to get my shit together and I'm going to reach out and I'm going to build some followers and say some uh, interesting stuff and and make these fans happy and build, you know, get it going, build my numbers and do more appearances. I, I just realized, you know, I am somebody, you know, you get down I've been down, but I've always come back. And now I'm feeling good. I'm back, and I'm gonna I'm gonna find uh, life after fighting. You know, a lot of people, a lot of fighters struggle, and uh, I'm no different. It, it, it was uh, I, I didn't really like the fact that I was abruptly in retirement because. Uh, they took a picture of my hip and my hip was gone and I needed a replacement and that pretty much was the end of my career. But and you can't complain. I made it till I was forty five years of age, so the Lord was good to me. I mean wrestled for twenty five years, fifteen more years of fighting. I've had my highs. Of course there's been lows, but even the lows are high. Fighting, win or lose, as long as you as long as you gave your best and come out of it. There's nothing like it.
3: And obviously your highs were tremendous highs as far as really, if you think about putting UFC kind of on the map, I know it was around for a little bit before you, but really the first champion and then really the first heavyweight champion, you really did put UFC on the map. Looking back, do you still kind of feel that way? Or maybe you didn't feel the way now. Do you see it that you really kind of helped put UFC on the map?
1: Yeah, that's it. You know, I've been – like I said, when I when it, it, it's it's hard for a fighter to swallow that it's just over and it just came to an end. I had no choice, you know. I I needed a hip replacement, and then now all all said and done, I've had four of them. You know, I got septally infected, and uh, you know, just uh, depression. You know, what I mean, just down, depressed. You know, I can't do what I love so much. You know, I loved it so much. When I when I saw UFC one for the first time I was still wrestling. But when I saw UFC one, um, I just really was it just blew me away and, and I I couldn't believe what was going on. It to me I almost thought it, some something's not right here because this is just too cool. Yeah, I'm I was just hoping it was real and hoping it was legit. 'Cause I knew that's me. And I, when when Hoyce Gracie won the first one, I you know, I, I said that's my money. I can I can beat Hoyce Gracie, I can beat all these guys. It was just uh how am I gonna get in? And uh after the ninety six Olympic trials I lost in the semifinals and I got approached by a manager and he was looking at Mark Curry, he was looking at Tom Erickson, he was looking at myself and and uh <clears throat> I told him I said, quite quite bluntly, no disrespect to those two guys, but I told him, I said, I'll kick both those guys' ass. And I said, I'll beat Don Fry's ass. As a matter of fact, I'll beat anybody's ass in there. I'm the man you want, and where do I sign? He had a big contract there, and he's like, I kind of blew him away. You know, He's like, uh, well, don't you need to take it to a lawyer and let him read it? I said, no. I don't really care what it says. I want in UFC 10. He had a slot in UFC 10. Whoever he wanted to put in there, this guy did. Um, and I wanted that spot. I didn't care what the contract said, and it turned out to be a pretty one-sided contract in favor of him. But it didn't matter. It did. It didn't matter. I needed to be in UFC 10 because uh, I was. I was worried about. I knew the UFC was having problems with all kinds of lawsuits and all this and that. I was afraid it was going to die before I got my chance to get in there. So, I did. I got in there and I was ready to roll and I had my game plan. Ground and pound, headbutt the shit out of people, pound them until they quit and it just worked. You know, it worked and I I I got a I have some pretty good instincts, you know, I was learning on the job, you know, learning on the job, and I had pretty good instincts, and, uh, you know, there's the belt was around my waist, and my life changed, my life changed right there, because I I was the champ, I became the champ, and uh, that's what I always dreamed of, and at the time, I was considered a world champion and I never quite became a world champion in wrestling I took second in the world but my goal as a little kid was to become the best in the world at something and I finally felt like I had done it UFC 10 but then I added UFC 11 and then I beat Dan Severn in UFC 12 so yeah I, I really I really achieved my goal my childhood dream of becoming the best in the world at something so pretty Pretty ecstatic, pretty crazy, just awesomeness for lack of a better word right now.
3: And it was unbelievable. Think about UFC ten eleven winning those tournaments. Household name if you're an MMA fan. Great win. And then you mentioned him before. Legendary feud with him. Obviously huge household name if you're definitely into MMA. You beat Don Fry. Did you think not that it was so easy, you know, you beat them blah blah, blah but did you think it was kind of gonna be I know you were very confident you are definitely going to win, but did you kind of think like, wow, I'm going to go in and literally dominate the first two shows and, 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 you know, take over and win the first two tournaments there, UFC 10 and 11?
1: Well, I'll, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I thought it was going to be easier. Wow. Okay. I really thought it was going to be easier because, uh, you, you know, I, I, I had my share of a few street fights and they, they never lasted more than, uh, one or two punches and that was done and I get in there and uh even the first guy Mody Hornstein my first fight I took him down and uh had the gloves on and I hit him you know you know probably only 10 10 15 times but I felt in my mind that he took it you know I I, I went back to my in my locker room i told uh told my coach i said i'm taking these gloves off because they're getting in the way and he pleaded with me not to do that and it, you know thankfully i listened for once because i left the gloves on because if i would have took them off i probably would have broke my hand on big daddy's head because he's got one hell of a hard head yeah I, I probably would have messed my hands up and then uh I still would have beat Don Fry, but it wouldn't have been as easy. I just would have had to add. To, I just would have had to use the headbutt more often. But it wasn't really fair. In hindsight, it wasn't fair. These guys didn't know how to wrestle, and mm-hmm. those three guys weren't very good at submissions. Don Fry wasn't, and I was the bigger, stronger wrestler. He was a good wrestler, but I was the bigger, stronger, world-class wrestler, and just got him on the ground and. He's got two hands to defend himself. Well, I got two hands to hit him with, but I also got a head. So uh, three on two, who wins? You know, there's, right. there, was always, there was always something open. A rib, hit the rib, and he brings his arm down to block his ribs. I'm going to come up with a right hand to the face, and then he's going to bring his hands up. I go back to the ribs, and then I'll throw in a headbutt and throw in some elbows. And, uh, you know, just there was always something open, always something open. And uh, um, I'm just being blunt with you. And and the down fry, um, we're real good friends now. Just total, total respect for each other. That night, um, that night when that fight was going on, I was actually just getting I was getting worried because I was it was pretty much a one sided war for sure, but it was a, a war that the other man was not gonna ever give up on. That's down fry, the toughest man I ever fought. And I'm not saying the best guy I ever fought, but the toughest guy I've ever fought because I almost I felt like I was wondering why they weren't stopping this fight. Well, that's because it was the early old school days and they didn't stop him until somebody gave up and Don Fry was never going to give up. He was never going to quit. I was going to have to kill him. And I was really, those, those kind of thoughts were going through my head. Like, man, am I going to have to kill this man? But uh, finally, finally, Big John pulled me off and, uh, I was glad he did because I wasn't I, I'm not a killer. I don't want to kill nobody. I just wanna win. And and man, Don Fry just wow. I mean, he went to the hospital for about a week after that. He was in pretty bad shape. And uh like I said, I was I was really getting concerned about the whole situation. It was new to me, learning on the job. Wow, I tell you what, My hands, even with the gloves on, my hands were, they were so, they hurt so bad afterwards. And the next day they were, I mean, they were swelled up for, it seemed like a month, they were still swelled up. But that's a good problem to have when your hands hurt. As long as you're one, right? Well, when your hands hurt, that means the other guy's head hurts. Yeah, (laughs) that too, yeah. You know, that's what I'm getting at. My hands were. They were beat up, and that's a good problem because uh, that means I was doing all the punching, and you know I might I might have got hit maybe maybe once or twice the whole night, and they weren't very good punches, just a couple. You know, Fry one time I stopped, and I took a look at him. I just stopped, I paused, and took a look at him just to see what it's, you know. I was getting worried, you know, his face was you know swelled shut, and when I took a break. He fired a put. He, he, it's the only punch I remember getting hit. He fired a nice little jab off his back, and it, he he hit me right in the chin or whatever, right in the face. And I said, "Oh my gosh, this guy is still really he's still alive, and he's still kicking." And well, I just returned his little punch. I said, "Well, I got to keep going," and I just fired a few more headbutts and I kept going, just kept going, just waiting for him to. Tap, but I realized he was never going to tap, and it got to the point where his hands were so low that he, it was just free. You know, I mean, he wasn't even able to block it, and and I'm just, I was exhausted. Don't get me wrong, I was so tired from 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 putting these punches on him and all this stuff. Eleven minutes? I'd never been in an eleven minute fight in my life. Are you kidding me? And uh, um, just. Just his hands were down low, and uh, I I just, you know, I just had three headbutts to the head, to his face, I mean. And finally, Big John pulls me off. And uh, I didn't even know if I won because Big John pulled me off. I looked at him and said, is it over? Is it over? And he just, Big John looked at me and said, go to your corner. I'm like, what the heck, man? What's going on here? You know, and then finally I looked over there, they're talking in the corner and then finally i seen John wave his hands, waving the fight off. And it was just, just incredible relief that it's over and aesthetic jubilation. I don't know how to say the word, so I'm not even going
2: to try. Jubilation.
1: Jubilation. Thank you for your help yes, there. Yes. Jubilation. And wow, I did it. I mean, I, I freaking did it because I had to, you know, I had to back up a lot of talking that I was doing to all my buddies. I, you know, I talked a lot that I was the toughest man in the world. So, I had to back it up, and it was over, and I, I achieved it. And, uh, oh, man, you can't just, that was, you know, like I said, I got a lot, a lot of
2: highlights,
1: but that was, that ranks, it's hard to separate. A lot of the fights, it's hard to separate which one was the highest. But that one they're all so close together i can't i can't really you know i can't really say which one was the highest because a lot of them were incredible moments
3: and eventually like we were talking about ufc 12 you end up uh, beating Dan Severn, the inaugural UFC world heavyweight champion, also unified it with the UFC superfight championship that Severn had. So I mean, it's just an amazing kind of ride. You're six to zero at this point. You're you're the world champ. What were you thinking about in, in the Severn fight? Super confident that you're going to be able to beat him. Basically, less than three minutes. Were you super confident that that that's the way it was going to go down?
1: Two minutes fifty nine seconds. Yes. There you go. Uh... I remember. I don't. I I don't remember a lot of things, but a lot of things. Selective memory. I remember that fight, and I heard a lot of people were thinking because I didn't wear gloves because it was only one fight that night, so I didn't wear gloves because uh, I didn't have to worry about another fight. I was ready, You know, I knew. You know, no gloves. You know, you you can hurt your hand for sure. It's it's a big debate out there now. Bare knuckle boxing. Everybody's saying how brutal it is, but it, it's it's def- it's It the only re- the only thing that makes bare knuckle boxing so brutal is the standing eight count. So a lot of knockdowns where the fight would have ended if there was no standing eight counts. And uh, but really, the, the 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 I don't see. There's a lot of uh, superficial scars that will they'll need stitches. And if you're not so vain and you don't really care, a lot of people, the, these guys, the, I'm talking about our team and uh, uh, the what's his name, uh, Knight, the kid, Brandon Knight. Did you see them after pictures and all that?
3: Did you mm-hmm. see those
1: pictures? Well, yes,
3: with uh, Art Tim Lobov and uh, Knight, yeah. Yep.
1: Yes, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful pictures, you know. But And those guys – you know, they loved it, you know, they, they just loved it, and uh, those cuts who heal up, they're going to have some scars, but I I still, the only thing somebody pointed out to me, I said, I kind of try to say, the gloves protect the hands, not the head, so it's not as bad as it seems, but then they said, well, you got to factor in the standing eight counts. And so, yeah, it's, it's pretty damaging. You know, it can be damaging because the fights would normally in the, in the MMA, there's no standing eight counts. You just right. finish the guy off. But the standing eight counts, it you know, it's going to, it's going to get its uh, criticism for sure. But I love bare knuckle boxing. It's just me. I'm a, I'm we're all warriors crazy crazy warriors but we choose to do it for a reason and it was it's in our blood it's in our dna it's what we do we know there's a risk but you know what there's a risk in just about anything you try to achieve
3: so obviously as we're rolling along you're dominating you're kind of the you know the king of the sport how close were you to fighting hoist gracie at this point because that seemed like the matchup that you thought that they might be thinking about making, even maybe even before that.
1: Well, I mean, he retired. What are you going to do? He retired, and it was a very smart business move by Royce Gracie. He wins four in a row. He's the little guy that beat up all the big guys, but he never ran into nobody like me. I mean, he never faced anybody like me. I'm I'm totally confident. I would I would I would have ran right through him. He said, "Size doesn't matter." Well, I think it's been proven and wrestlers know very well that size does matter. And I was just way too big and too strong and too powerful for Hoyce Gracie. Of course, he had a chance to possibly, you know, choke me out or possibly get me in an arm bar. But I think the chances were slim because I just would have overwhelmed him. Look what Camel did to him. You know, look, look what Camel did to Hoyce Gracie and, uh, I think I was a lot more ferocious than Kimo was, so I don't, you know, I might even kept that one on the feet. I might have fought Hoyce Gracie on my feet and uh, not even take it to the ground. But I had I had plenty of ways to beat him. I just had to be my jujitsu definitely was not up to par. I give myself a white belt status, but I'll take a I'll take a badass white belt over a. Um, you know sorry ass black belt, I'm not saying oysters a sorry ass black belt I'd rather have a crazy, tough white belt going up against a a a black belt that didn't have my kind of mentality you know my mentality i was gonna i was a savage i was gonna i'm looking i'm looking to i don't want i mean I'm just looking to win, but in winning you're gonna have to hurt the guy, and I didn't have no problems hurting the guy. You know that was that was just part of the game. That's what he signed up for. That's what I signed up for, and uh that was it. Yeah, and he wouldn't did. have
3: he what wouldn't he have seen it? that ground and pound either. Like he hadn't seen that before. I know that. Pardon me. He hadn't seen anybody's ground and pound like you had either. So it would have been kind of tough
1: to deal with you. Well, that's what I'm talking about. Chemo gave him a pretty good ground and pound. You know, Chemo gave him a pretty good ground and pound, but. uh and if Kima wouldn't have had that little ponytail in the back where Hoist grabbed onto it, uh, he might have finished Hoist himself. But uh, yeah, he 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 never faced anything like me, so uh, it would have been just too. I I respect all the Gracies. I respect Hoist Gracie, but hey, period. Size matters, or size matters. Period. Whichever way you want to take it, it don't matter to me, but. I would have got always crazy, and I'm not saying he he would have had a chance possibly to get me catch me in something, but i uh, I think uh the there was a chance of winning the lottery, hmm.
3: and obviously the next fight you take Maurice Smith the fellow well we,
1: didn't, well we did we didn't finish the Severn fight, so I'm fighting Severn oh, yes I, yes yep. yeah well I, I take the gloves off because there's only one fight. And the, a lot of people were saying, "Well, they're good friends. Dan Severn and Mark Coleman are good friends, so Coleman's not even going to hit him." Oh man, so so not true. I don't, you know, it's competition. Uh, you know, we were we we were acquaintances through the wrestling community, but this was a war. This is time to fight, and I'm gonna, you know, I I threw a. I was talking to Dan. I said I never really, you know, was able to get off on my feet because I, I kind of just, uh, I, I, I loved sparring with, you know, no lights on in the practice room, no lights, no fans, and then I loved that. But then when I got into that cage, um, I just couldn't pull the trigger, you know, because all I seen was two legs. A lot of the time I wanted to get to those legs and get the guy down. But against Hoyce Gracie, I think I would have had the confidence to stand up with him. And then against Dan Severn, my plan was stand up. And and I didn't even know it till I talked to him years later. I was telling him how I never was able to get off and hit anybody hard. He, he says, well, I beg to differ, Coleman, because uh, you must not remember that right hand you threw because it hit me right in the right square between the eyes. He goes, I was, I was seeing three of you. And uh, – He said, you hit me hard, Coleman. And he goes, and that's when he shot the ill-advised double leg on me because he's not going to double leg take on me, Dan Severance. So he shot it, and I ran him over. I bulldozed him over, and uh, I would have gladly hit him on the ground. I would have gladly hit him on the ground. But you know what? i seen the opening for – um, I don't think I've seen anybody in a, in a big big fight use that neck crank that I used on him because uh, that was the move that I practiced all the time and and in practice it worked against just about everybody because you know Dan later said uh, it just felt like my head was going to be separated from my body and uh, that's what I was pretty much trying to do you know yank you know but he fought it pretty hard Severin fought it for. You know, longer than most people ever did in practice. He gave it a good fight. He was a strong, strong man, Dan Severin was. But I I just didn't let up. I did not stop cranking until finally he had no choice but to tap. And then, uh, yeah, that was the one. Of, that one and the fry, those are big ones, man. I got up and, uh, wow, the celebration was, it was just, just amazing. Feeling just, I, I just won the UFC first heavyweight championship, and I knew what that meant. The first is the first, and uh, nobody forgets the first. You know, I'm always going to be the first heavyweight champion, and that's what I wanted to be. I we were in New York, ready to go in New York, and all of a sudden, New York shut us down. And thankfully, um, thankfully ufc had a backup plan already in place and they told us at about eight o'clock friday night go pack your bags go pack your bags we're going to the airport and we're heading to alabama and we got into alabama probably about three in the morning or whatever four you know and then and that's it i don't care if it's in alabama i don't care if it's in new york i didn't care if it was in you know there was no fans there. I just wanted that first championship out. You know, I just wanted to fight anywhere. And it, and Alabama was great. God bless Alabama for for accepting us in down there when everybody was turning us down. So uh yes, that was that's history. And then the problem is um yeah, I won, won them all too easily. Well I was uh I never took anybody lightly in wrestling or fighting but after I beat Severn something happened to me something happened to me and uh I was reading about myself how great I was everybody was saying and I and I was reading and my head started swelling up too big and I was I just thought I was going to beat Maurice Smith easy but I forgot that you got to train Coleman if you know you got to train and we seen you know Frank Shamrock warned me he said uh, a couple months before the fight he looked at me and said uh well you know I'm coaching Maurice Smith for your fight Coleman and I was just you know I can't believe I got like this I was so arrogant I said oh that's too bad for you Frank huh and he's the, he, he, he knew as my friend, he knew, he's like, Oh man. He said, Coleman, I'm just warning you. You better train. Cause it's not, you know, Maurice is racism. Maurice he's not no pushover. He's a world champion kickboxer who has been on his back before. And I just didn't train. I mean, it's not an excuse. It's my own fault. I didn't train. And, uh, I damn near finished him in three minutes. I told her about it. He's going to be done in three minutes. The the UFC came in there, and and right before the fight, they looked in and said, if there's no finish after the first overtime, we're going to have a second overtime. And I just looked at him and I just kind of smirked and said, they said, you okay with that? You okay with that? And I said, well, yeah. I said, this fight isn't, you know, it's not going past three minutes, you know. I was just too cocky, too confident. My, you know, arrogant, cocky, and then, uh, sure enough, I almost finished him in that three minutes. I, I put a whooping on him for three minutes. I had, he said, I, Marie Smith said I knocked him out with a headbutt, but then I, I woke him back up with another one, and Big John, he also told me, he's like, I was so close to stopping that fight. Well, that's when I took my first break. I took a break, and I looked. I looked Maurice in the eyes, and he didn't say nothing. But I kind of could read his mind. He's he was saying, uh, "Yep, Coleman, I'm still here, and I hear you breathing pretty hard already." Yeah. We got a long, got a long ways to go, and uh, yeah, credit to Maurice Smith. He survived. And then he came back and he kicked the living shit out of my legs, man. They felt like, they both felt like there was just a, like shattering a window. They felt like they were just shattered. And, uh, I did, I just posted a picture on Instagram recently and my legs were from my ass to my ankles, they were black and purple all the way down. He abused my legs and, uh, Plus, I thought I was going to have a damn heart attack. Well, I don't know how the hell I was still there. It's, you know, I went to distance, 21 minutes. I don't know how I did it. I mean, I still don't know how I did it to this day because uh, many people went down with less kicks than that. My legs were beaten up bad, but I had too much. I had pride. I was in pain, but I wasn't going to show it. But when I got back where – I, when I got back into the locker room, I walked right past the doctor's room and I said, I'm fine. You know, I'm just beat up. I'm fine. I don't need nothing. I don't need nobody looking at me. I just got my ass whooped and I went in there. As soon as I got into my locker room, shut the door. Oh man, I did let out a little scream of pain because it hurt so bad. I mean, it hurt so bad. My legs, were, I just thought I'm lucky. You know, I'm lucky to." You know blood clots or whatever could have happened, but you know they healed up, you know everything healed up it was just you know it was beat bad, but you know they rescheduled uh the they scheduled a rematch immediately took me about two weeks to get all the blood out of my legs and then i was I was humbled Marie Smith humbled the shit out of me thank you, Marie Smith. I needed that unfortunately if I would have trained uh it would have been over, but he humbled me and woke me up and brought me back down to earth and I'm getting ready. You know, my first practice back, I'm going to go hard. I'm going to, I'm going to do what got me here to begin with hard work and I'm going to come in and I'm going to be a machine and I'm going to destroy them. But the first practice back, my, my training partner did, okay, we went for about, you know, 30, 40 minutes straight wrestling I said that's enough for today, and he talked me into going one more go, the old one more go, because he, he he hadn't taken me down ever in his life up to this point. Nick Nutter, uh, he fought Igor Bochanshin over in uh, Russia, his
2: mm-hmm. first
1: fight his first fight ever, uh, and uh, well, he's a good training partner for me, and we're, but he would never taken me down. He said he he wanted one. He said give me one more. I said all right, what the hell. And um, he got me up against the wall. And usually in wrestling, the walls, you know, you, you, there's a reason that the walls out of bounds because it's dangerous when you're up against the wall. And I found out because uh, he got his first takedown, All right, He dropped down on the double leg, and I was stuck up against the wall. And he drove his shoulder into my thigh, and he basically just blew my knee out and I'm like and it was it I'm like oh shit I think this is a bad one I think it's a bad one I stood up and I tried to keep going I tried to keep going but then all of a sudden I felt my knee just like wobble like jello and and I I I knew right then it was over and sure enough ACL tear out for out for like uh I came back and you know, the next fight was even worse, but I came back way too soon. And I think it was only like five months after surgery, and I came back, and they changed. It was supposed to be Randy Couture, Um I think it was a Lord's blessing that Couture separated his ribs a couple of weeks up, leading up to the fight, and he pulled out because he would have whooped my ass that night. I mean, he would have whooped my ass when I came back from ACL surgery. I shouldn't have been in there to begin with. And I was having some thyroid issues, and, and they changed opponents. They kept calling me up. Every day they called me up and and changed the opponent. You know, I agreed to anybody they said, but I'm, I'm starting to get a little frustrated. You know, what the heck? You know, are people just pulling out? What's going on? You know, I think people were a little bit concerned because they knew I was going to be coming back with a uh, with a mean, mean attitude, and then he settled in on Pete Williams, and I should have, you know, I should have, I should have been able to just to beat his, beat his butt. But that was the first fight without headbutts, and uh, um, I was a little bit lost without my, my equalizer. The headbutt was the equalizer. I'm nose-to-nose with Pete Williams. I took him down. I'm nose-to-nose with him saying, damn, I just wish I could headbutt this guy because I didn't feel right. I'm not going to make any excuses. I didn't feel right at all. I I kicked everybody out of my locker room before that fight um, because I just uh, I I think my sugar levels dropped. I, I didn't know I had a thyroid problem. I didn't know what was wrong with me. I had a bad training camp. Some days I had good days, some days I had bad days. Uh, But that night I I warmed up real hard. I warmed up for like 45 minutes trying to uh, – I knew Pete Williams had a good arm bar, so I I got a little worried about it. I went like 45 minutes just trying to learn how to defend the arm bar. And, uh, well, I I never was able to – I was never able to – I went back to the locker room, sat down, I couldn't get my heart rate to slow down, I'm sweating profusely. And I'm actually sitting on the shitter, and I told everybody to get out. I just wanted to be alone. And Big John looked in to give me my last, uh, whatever, the last uh, instructions. And he looked in, and I'm sitting on the shitter. And he says, oh, man, you all right? I said, yeah, I'm all right. But I wasn't all right. I wasn't all right. I was. Lo- I see why a lot of people look for the side door. And this is one day that I wish I could just run out the side door and and uh come back another day, but I got in there, and I, yeah, when it went, after the 15 minutes was over, I went to my corner, and I had nothing, I was seeing, seeing a cloud of, it looked like a cloud of smoke, and I was, you know, I was delirious, and uh, my, my wrestling buddies in the corner were screaming at me that I got to suck it up, I got to suck it up and take this guy back down, but when the tank is completely empty, The car doesn't move. When you run out of gas, your car's not going to move. My car wasn't moving, and he took advantage of it. The lines down where they see me leaning up against the fence, and they were screaming, look at him. Look at him. He's dead. He's dead, Pete. You got to go get him. And Pete did. I didn't even take one step forward. He came all the way across the ring, and uh, uh, there he was. And I was trying. But there was just nothing there and I thought he was kicking me in the leg and I reached when he threw the 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 the, the massive knockout that was seen around the world for like ten years. Thank you, UFC, for opening your show with that highlight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but just uh I thought he was kicking me in the leg. I reached down to grab it to try to take him down, but he wasn't kicking me in the leg. He was kicking me in the head. And, boy, I ate that one. I ate the shit out of that kick. That's for damn sure. But that fight's in the Hall of Fame. You know, they called me up and said, uh, you know, hey, Coleman, uh, we're going to put one of your fights in the Hall of Fame. I'm like, oh, that's great. You know, which one? And they said, Pete Williams. I'm like, oh. Well what? You know, I didn't know. <laughs> I didn't know what to think, but I said, "Well, fuck it." I got up. You know, I mean, he knocked me down and would have maybe finished many a men, would have ended their career. And I thought it did in my career because I didn't I I didn't know it was wrong. You know, I was I would after that fight, I went outside, I'd be sitting on the back porch looking up in the sky, you know, just wondering if they say you you grow old over overnight i was only 32 but i thought man i did i just get old overnight you know i I just couldn't figure it out but then finally i i got some blood work taken by my doctor and uh my thyroid wasn't working it just wasn't working and and uh he put me on a he put me on a little thyroid medication and it, it was like you know starting an engine up i the pill just uh Turned me back on, and then that's when I realized, okay, no, I'm not old. It's just time to train hard, and uh, that's what I did. And Then I had Pedro Hizzo, which, um, yeah, the confidence was definitely shaken after two losses. My confidence wasn't the same, and I went out there against Hizzo, you know, not trying to destroy him, but just trying to win. And I made it close enough, and I, I, you know, I feel the judges got it wrong big time because. I Agree. Uh, I agree. I, they got it wrong big time because uh, I smashed him on the ground. I smashed the crap out of him. He got a, he got a, you know, four or five nice leg kicks in on me, and I had a big bruise on my leg. And I think that swayed the judges, but uh, you know, four or five kicks uh, to my. You know, I don't know how many punches and elbows I landed on the ground. At I seen him later on that night, you know, like 3 a.m. There's in the, in, in the lobby, and he came in, and his face was just mush. And uh, whoever I was talking to, I said, "Uh, I, you know, I, I, I had been talking to the person, and I said, yeah, I lost. You know, and then all of a sudden Pedro came in, and I said, they didn't know the fight game. I think it was our our waitress or whatever. And uh, I said, "Yeah, this is the guy I lost to tonight." And she looked at him, and it didn't. And she said, "When well, you lost?" I said, "Yep, I lost because uh, you know he was lumped up pretty good." And um, that one really messed my mind up big time because after that, my mind wasn't right because. Uh, once you, you get when 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 you feel you want to fight and the judges see it the other way, it changes you. It changes you mentally. Definitely a bad decision did by answer, the judges. Did, did I answer the question? <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> love that yeah, about, answer. I answered about ten questions there. Sorry about that.
3: No, no worries. That's great. I love it. And definitely, I was going to say that split decision loss to Pedro Hizo was controversial to say the least. I think he definitely won.
1: Well, and then yeah, I couldn't believe it the first judge gave it to Hizzo and the second judge gave it to me. And then Eddie Goldman, who's a big wrestling fan and a, and a friend of mine, so I'm thinking I was already shocked that even one judge gave it to Hizzo. I couldn't believe it. But I said, okay, I got this. You know, Eddie, Eddie knows. And uh, Eddie Goldman, he he gave it to Hizzo, and uh, I was pissed. You know, I was pissed. I w- I was heading over to, I was gonna jump out of the cage and run up and and let these judges have it, man. What the hell were you guys watching? But uh, Ken Shamrock was in my corner. It was kind of, uh, I don't know what you want to call it, a publicity situation. Put put Ken Shamrock in my corner. I don't know why I did it. Now, in hindsight, I didn't really – I didn't train with the guy. We went down to train with the Lions then, me and Nick Nutter and Brandon Lee Hinkle. We were out in California in San Clemente. He's up in San Diego. And uh, my manager at the time said, well, you know, Ken said he's willing to train you. And I said, well, and at this point I'm kind of desperate. I said, well, okay, I'll, I I guess I can see what he's got to offer. But we went up there for – a. We, seriously, we we stayed in a twenty dollar a night hotel room, all three of us. It was the oh my god! It was it was it was a twenty dollar a night hotel. Trust me, that's the I don't need to say anymore. It was horrible, you know, cockroaches, everything running around there. And then we're training at the Lions, then, and well, he wasn't doing. He wasn't showing me anything that I already didn't know. So so we had a nice apartment in San Clemente that we were staying in, and these two guys were out there. They didn't have a fight coming up, but they were out there to have some fun at the same time, you know, help me prepare, but they wanted to have some fun. They ain't having no fun in the all three of us squeezed in a little hotel room. Uh, and so I, I said, man, after like I, I went to one practice, and then the next morning, I went to a second practice, and I left. I, I looked at these guys. And I said, you guys want to get out of here? And they were so upset. They were like, oh, yes, please, let's go back to San Clemente. I said, let's go. And I just, uh, I, we jumped in the car, went back to San Clemente, and uh, it was a lot more comfortable place to stay, and uh, training was, Training was just as good, man. I had two of my guys on me and a couple guys from Extreme Gym. Um, Justin McCulley, I think, was out there, so I had three or four guys, you know, shark baiting in on me. And uh, I got, I got, I got ready. I was ready for Pedro Hizl, but at the same time, I'm not going to deny confidence is a big, big part of it. Anything you do in life. Any sport, confidence has to be there. And it was a little bit shaken. Two losses in a row, a brutal knockout. But I still, I went out there and, uh, you know, it, it, hey, at best, we'll say it's a draw, but it wasn't even a draw. I just, you know, I feel it. Hey, Pedro, I love Pedro. He's such a nice guy, great guy. We're good friends. He feels he won. I feel I won, you know. Maybe I'll have to go back and take a look at it again a little closer. I don't know. I can't remember. I don't think I watched it. You know, I think I only watched it one time. And then I, I determined, yeah, I did win that damn thing. But what are you going to do? And what are you going to do? Then I get cut. So, fuck. I'm cut. And I got
0: to move forward. And luckily,
1: Pride picked me up.
0: Hey, let's pause one second to tell you all about the benefits of using Blue Chew. Guys, remember the days when you were ready to go? Well, now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in the bedroom with a little help from the Triple Threat podcast and the Two Man Power Trip. So listen up, bluechew.com. That's blue like the color blue. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA ingredients as Viagra and Cialis so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as any other pill so you can be ready whenever the opportunity Arises Now, if you know anything about our show, we've always got to be ready. But with Blue Chew, if you can benefit from extra function and more confidence where it counts, then Blue Chew is the fast and easy way to enhance your performance. Most guys talk a good game, but Blue Chew helps you follow through. So right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com, get your first shipment for free when you use the promo code FRANCHISE and just pay $5 shipping again. Use the promo code FRANCHISE and pay just $5 shipping shipping again it's bluechew.com blue use the promo code franchise and try it for free courtesy of your friends over at the two-man power trip of wrestling and the triple threat podcast blue chew is the better cheaper and faster choice and we thank them for sponsoring our podcast isn't
3: that crazy though you get cut by that organization you're the first champion you're a huge name. Yeah, you lost three in a row, but one of them was controversial, and obviously the the Maurice Smith fight was pretty great, Um, and he did have a great strategy, but it's definitely you know legendary fight. It's weird. So what was the reason behind the cut? Exactly,
1: you know. I mean Maurice Smith, uh, obviously. I mean I don't no excuse. I just didn't train, and he whooped my ass. Period. You know, and. Mm -hmm. uh, then I blow my ACL out, which is another major setback. You know, I came back like in five or six months—way too soon, man. This is this is way back when, two thousand nineteen ninety-nine. They didn't have that surgery down very good back then. So my leg was still skinnier than the other one, still like a half inch skinnier than the other one. I, But I just want, I, you know, I, I wanted back in there so bad because I was so devastated. I felt so stupid with the loss to Smith. I let so many wrestling fans down because all the wrestlers were pulling for me, all my buddies, you know, and I let them all down, and I let other people down, and then uh, it just ate me alive. So I wanted back in there, and I rushed back in there. Hey, you know, give credit to Pete Williams, man. He uh, He survived. I didn't have the headbutts either, man. That was a big, big factor. It just, uh, I felt a little bit lost, you know. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at him and I said, "Damn, why can't I just plow him in the face with my head?" You know, but that was the rule. That's the first rule they added. They added that rule. I'm kind of, I'm kind of wondering why they added it. I think it had a lot to do with how good I was at it, and I think I had something to do with them to putting that in. Enforcing that rule so soon, and it threw my game off for sure. But you know, I didn't feel myself that night at all. I didn't have my strength. I didn't have my power. And uh, he survived and hung in there. And then, yeah, he uh, he football punted me right in the kisser, right in the fucking kisser, man. Wow,
2: Hmm. right?
1: You know, I couldn't believe it. I was. I was out cold for a couple minutes at least, and I got up, and I'm walking back to the locker room. I'm talking to my, you know, mainly my dad. You know, my dad was there. I'm talking to him, but I was talking to him for like 30, 40 minutes, and he thought I was just fine, you know. But then all of a sudden, I think my brain jiggled back into place, and I looked at my dad, and I said, well, Dad, I said, why did Big John stop that fight? (laughs) Because hmm. I re- I remember him, he threw a nice knee right before it. I did I shook it off and I they say when you shake something off that means it was a good knee. But it really it was a good knee, but it didn't it didn't affect it didn't affect me at all. And that's all I remember. I thought Big John stopped it right there because I don't remember. You don't remember when you get kicked in the head like that. You don't remember. But it was 35 minutes later. I looked at my dad. I said, "Why did he stop it?" I was fine. My dad couldn't. He couldn't figure it out. He, he said, "Oh my God, he doesn't even know he got knocked out." This is 30 minutes later. I've been talking normal, and uh, but I was talking normal, but I wasn't normal. So it was a bad one, man. It was a. It was a bad one. It probably left a little mark on my head for sure, but that's uh that's the risk you take when you get in this business that's that's it we're all we all come from the same same mold you know these when you get in anybody that's ever gotten in that cage, I don't care at what level I got respect for because you gotta you you know some people say they're not afraid at all. Well, I have to question that. You know, you're not afraid to – you're not afraid to – you're not – I was never afraid to get hurt. I was just – I didn't want to lose, you know. So you got to worry about did you train hard enough, this and that. But so you got to battle them demons, and then they lock that cage behind you. You know, it's on. It's on, and I respect anybody that's ever got in there and did it at any level because it's – it's a different animal, this MMA. It's a whole different animal. It's the greatest sport ever, ever. I when I I mean that, that's it. Put a period behind that, and I'll shut up. Hmm. Let you. I'll let you ask your second question.
3: Yes. The, <laughs> you know it's great though. Obviously, with you, you had your your run in UFC, but you pick it up in japan japan at this time with pride was the biggest organization in the world just because they always had huge fights and just huge crowds so yeah you did get cut from your seat, you got from your seat, but you go to a, almost the biggest well not almost the biggest promotion you go to you know the the bigger leagues almost at this point and japan it, you know is loving you that first fight against takata who is a pro wrestling legend not so much of an mma legend but pro wrestling legend you take the loss, but obviously there's so much talk about that fight, whether it was a work or not, what happened with the fight with Takata and entering pride in Japan?
1: Ah, well, you know, figure it out for yourself. Right. right. You know, it just, it it is what it is. You know, they, I just did, I did it. They, they promoted it to me. They promoted it to me as, it's going to be a pro wrestling match. And, uh, but obviously, you know, it wasn't. So and it, that happened, and and it's over. You know, but I had to. I didn't. You know, I had to do it. I did. I didn't have to do it. Of course, you don't have to do nothing. But uh, you know, they they guaranteed me another fight after that, and uh, that was Ricardo Morais, six foot nine. 285-pound monster black belt from Brazil, that was geez, I'm coming off four losses and that's who they give me and I got to beat him to get into the Grand Prix and uh, yeah, you know, I, I'm not one of those guys that say, you know, I I don't fear getting hurt, I fear just losing and, I, and this was an imposing figure over there but that was the beginning of my comeback. I had a good training camp for that, and then I took him. I, I mean, he was a strong, strong man, but I I, he, he, uh, I did the old can opener, the famous can opener, and uh, believe it or not, nobody uses it, but it's very, very effective. It, it, I made it work because I, I damn near had him – I had him, I could hear him gurgling, man. It was cranked so tight, but he was so strong. And he, had, obviously, he had a lot of pride. He just, he, he, he I had him in the, the, the canop for probably about 10 fights during that, during that fight, 10 times during that fight. And I'll tell you what, I guarantee that man's neck was, it was brutally hurting and brutally sore that night. I bet he didn't sleep too well because of this, it's a neck crank, and uh he fought his way out of every one of them, but I won a unanimous decision and uh oh, I needed that I mean I needed that for my soul, my soul needed that, and then uh then they gave me a spot in uh the, the the when the, the at the time the biggest tournament in the history and all the big names in that sport. They put me in that. They didn't want me to win it. Probably did not want me to win that tournament. They had their favorites, of course. uh, Mark Kerr was their big favorite over there because all the fans, they fell in love with the Smashing Machine. He was a monster. He was a killer. Um, Nice, nice guy. But, man, when when, when it's on, Mark Kerr turned into the Smashing Machine or he had a bunch of names the titan uh he he, went, he had about three different nicknames but they they were all fitting he was a bad dude but um uh i you know i i have to say i mean he's a friend i i kind of i hated I, I you know i wanted to win that tournament but at the same time i like to please the fans and I know the fans were dying to see me and Mark Kerr go at it. Two big American yes. wrestlers. That's the fight a lot of people wanted to see. And I'm a competitor. Um, I wanted to win the tournament, but at the same time, uh, I, I I, I was ready for Mark Kerr. I beat him three times in wrestling. I was kind of his mentor. Not kind of. I was his mentor. And, uh, um I think I had his number, and I think he was a little—I don't—he was a little bit intimidated by me. I think I would have—I mean, I, it would have been tough, but uh, I would have got Mark Kerr that night. I was—I was—I had like eight months of training under my belt, injury-free. Eight months training—it's like training for the national championships. Eight months grind, and by the time it got there, I went to Pat Militesch's, uh I went to Pat Militesch's in Iowa just the last two weeks. I had already done seven and a half uh months of uh training. I went to Militech's just the you know, he always always welcomed me there so I might as well take him up on the offer. I went out there and see what he had to offer and that hey man, he was the best in the business at the time. Uh not at the time. He's one of the best coaches in the history of the sport. And uh he he! I think I surprised him when I got there. He put me through one hell of a hard practice, and it was a hard one, man. I loved it, but I went, I got through it, and 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 you know, I it's it. He, I think I surprised him by what kind of shape I was really in because uh, you know I didn't look so. I didn't look in that good of shape against uh, Pedro. I was even tired against Pedro, against Pete Williams. I looked exhausted. And obviously against Marie Smith, I looked horrible. And uh, I showed up at Militech's, and we did that. We did that hour and a half, or hour, I don't know, hour and 15. It don't matter, but it was hard, hard go. I thought practice was over. And old Militech says, uh, well, let's go run the famous hill. I mean, he had that famous hill out there at Iowa, and I said, okay, let's go. And uh, I, went, I, I went out and I kicked out whatever he, whatever number he told me to do. I think it was either eight or ten of them. And I busted them out after an hour of uh, grappling, wrestling, and grappling. I went to the hill and I kicked out nine, and that's when attached. I think he knew. I think he knew he was going to shock everybody because I was on, I was in shape. I was ready, and he just fine-tuned me, and he just figured out what I can and can't do, and having him in the corner, I didn't even know I was listening to him until I watched the tape, and then he would call some stuff out, and uh, I was doing it. Whatever he called out, I was doing it, and uh, that's the only fight that I ever really... Against Akira Soji, he was so... He was so short and, and, and much smaller that uh, I sparred with Pat. You know, he, he brought in a pro boxer, and he, he one of his, his first guy that he put up against me, I was nervous, man, nervous wreck. He had all eyes on me. I'm going to spar. I don't even know who this guy was. I forget his name, Nate something. And uh, we got up there. I threw a jab, and it just plowed him right in the face. And then uh, okay, and then I threw a left hook and plowed him right on the ear, and it just sent him it sent him flying right into the wall. He looked at Pat and said, "I'm done." He said, "I'm fucking done, man." And uh, so then I then I went with this pro boxer. I forget what his name was, and uh, yeah, he was he was outclassing me for sure. But no man, I had so much power. I was just smashing and plowing him. And he said he had enough after, I think, uh, one or two rounds. He had enough, man. He packed his bags up. He left, and there was nobody in the room. I needed needed some more work. You know, I still had a lot in the tank. I needed some more rounds, and Milites didn't have nobody in the room. So, hey, God bless him. He put the gloves on, and uh, me and him went to war for about another two rounds, two or three rounds. And, uh, you know, he said I – he said I hit him so hard one time that his whole left side of his body went went numb, and he was fighting me with one arm out there for the last thirty seconds. And uh, wow, I felt good, I felt great in Militech. I think he knew he had he had the champion sitting right in front of him. I went into that I went into that tournament. I did believe I was gonna shock everybody because everybody's nobody gave me a chance. I got a lot to prove. I got a chip on my shoulder, and, you know, I I caught a couple breaks for sure. Uh, Soji fight, even though I totally dominated it, but I still had to go 15 minutes with him. You know what I mean? I still went 15 minutes, but as a wrestler, it was like a in wrestling, you, you wrestle five matches in one day sometimes. So basically the Soji fight was a nice warm-up, and now I got Kerr next is what I'm thinking. He's heavily favored to beat Fujita. Yep mm-hmm. well something was wrong with Kerr's gas tank that night and basically uh lack of training is the answer. He didn't train hard enough. He didn't train hard enough and then he got I couldn't I was sitting in the back room, I, I couldn't believe what happened. He 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 hit Fujita with some of the hardest knees I've ever seen and Fujita's I forget his what's his damn nickname? Uh Iron Head. Iron Head is right because Kerr for the first five minutes just was plowing him with knees and this and that lots of knees, and Ironhead just survived, and then Mark Kerr uh his sugar levels dropped off, and uh he couldn't do nothing and the old Iron head came back, and I'm watching it saying, Oh my gosh, and I, I you know. I knew Ironhead was had to be hurt, and sure enough, he was. And I think Pride made a big mistake. I think Wanderley Silva was a potential. I think he was the alternate. Mm-hmm. Yes. I think they should have, you know. But I I find out later the reason Fujita got in there is because they they weren't going to give him his third place prize money unless he got in there and fought me well what the heck man it was was a officially it was a two second fight i think it's the fastest win in in mma history nobody really acknowledges that because the the corner threw in the towel the second the bell rung you know they i think they had that plan but but you know i'm there to i'm there to perform so you know why didn't they just pay him his you know, thirty thousand or twenty thousand for for making it to the semifinals and then bring in Wanderley Silva, make me fight Wanderley Silva, and that would have been that would have been a war, but I think it would have been a one sided war, just to be honest with you. He could not have stopped my takedown. I mean I would I would have been it just been it would have been too easy to take him down and I just would have ground and pounded Wanderley Silva out. I don't know, I mean he might have, he's a warrior too, so he might have went to 15, but uh, I don't see what he could have did to me. I was, I was in my prime and I was on my game that night. I would have took, but the fans would have loved it. instead they got Fujita. Well, you create your own luck. You know, everybody says I got lucky. Well, no, man. I I mean, I was there and I don't think it would have, it wouldn't have mattered at all. If I fought Wanderley for 15 minutes, I was, I was all, I was in great shape, probably one of the greatest, best shape I was in uh, my entire fight career was the the Pride Grand Prix, and it just would have been nice for the fans. First, they wanted too bad they didn't get to see me and Kerr fight, and then too bad they they let Fujita get in there like that. They should have put Wanderley in there. Who knows what really would have happened? But I'm gonna have to bet on myself on that one and then um then I would have did the same thing I did to Igor as happened you know the, the same thing would have happened cuz I was still I would have been still fresh I could have I had a lot in my I had a full tank of gas that night and uh um but the here's the deal um, it's supposed to be a 20 minute finals 20 minute time limit the night before they brought us they gave us the rules meeting, and they said, well, the finals is going to be a no-time limit. And my jaw just dropped. I'm like, oh, no. That just that just ruined, because I had visualized how it was going to go. I'm going to beat Soji, and then I'm going to beat Kerr, and I'm going to have both chances in the finals, and I'm going to ground and pound him for 20 minutes, and I'm going to be the champion. But when they said it's a no-time limit, I had to recalculate how am I gonna finish this guy because I know Igor can go for a couple hours. That guy can go for a couple hours. And they said I I thought I thought well maybe okay I can front I was I planned on front headlocking him and trying to do the knees to the front headlock, but they said no they added no kneeing a down man if he's on his if he's face down. You weren't allowed to knee him. And I'm like, oh, geez, I just didn't see how I was going to beat this guy because he could take ground and pound forever. That dude can take a beating. I hit him with the sixteen knees to finish the fight, but he wasn't knocked out. He just knew he was, because you you can knee a down man if they're on their back, but how am I going to? You can't if he's on his back. He just slipped to his belly, and I can't knee him, but. I had to get him stuck in the corner and I got him stuck in the corner somehow and he had nowhere to go. He couldn't belly down and I 16 knees, man. And this guy, he wasn't knocked out. I mean, they were hard knees, man. I was sewing them hard, but he's got, he's an iron head as well. You got the iron head Fujita and hey, whole Chanson had an iron head. I think, I think I softened his head up because after that night, I think he, you know, he got knocked out a few times after that. But up until that point, nobody, nobody, he was undefeated. He was undefeated. I think he had a loss on his record, but it was because of uh, uh, he didn't lose. They just, uh, I forget what the reason was. Something he did illegally or something. But he was undefeated, and he had the biggest hands. His hands were like big mallets. And I shook his hand, and they were huge. And that's why he knocked so many people out with that overhand haymaker, man. He had that thing down pat. But I wasn't going to give him a chance to use that on me. That's why it's called mixed martial arts, buddy. I'm taking you down. If you haven't learned how to defend it, well, that's your problem. And But I didn't know how I was going to finish it. I, the Lord was with me. I got him stuck in the corner upside down. And I just let him go. I let him go uh, uh, 12 with the right leg. And then I switched legs. And then four more with the left left leg. And the four with the left leg, he didn't block those. So they all landed flush. And uh, I'm pretty sure it shook his brain up a little bit. But uh, it didn't knock him out. He tapped out and he stood up. I watched the tape afterwards. I looked over at, at what Bo Chanson did he just got up, he turned around, and looked at his corner, and shrugged his shoulders like, you know, what was I going to do? And uh, and then you see what I did. He did. He got up and shrugged his shoulders. I got up and tried to jump out of the out of the ring. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, yep.
1: And uh, I thought I was the monster, Kevin Randleman, and he could have jumped out of that ring. He's he. That's how high he can jump. How high he can fly. I thought I was Kevin Randall I got up in the midair and I realized I'm not even coming close. What am I going to do? I, I, I don't know. I made some kind of adjustment and my feet hit the ropes and I fell right on my back. And uh, I was thinking, oh, man, that's going to be embarrassing. But who cares? I just won the Grand Prix. I got up and I, I squeezed through the ropes and I ran to the fans because them Japanese fans, they're, they're something else. They're they're special, man, I, and, and they appreciate they appreciate me running to them and giving them a big hug. I actually swung my arms and I plowed them. When I seen the replays, I hit a I hit an older lady right in the head with my hand, you know, I plowed her right in the head. But uh, I them Japanese get a kick out of that, man. I, I I bet she loved it. She went home and she got to talk about it to you know the rest of her life if she's still alive. And then that's it. I went back in and uh they handed me the trophy and uh wow I was just they put the belt around my waist and that's one of the most beautiful belts ever made and there it is I just was just 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 i'm I'm, I'm, I'm almost trying to say it was probably the highest of highs but I don't know. Seven was damn high. When I beat Fry, it was damn high. And then you go when I beat Shogun when I was like forty-two years old, and they they thought they was giving Shogun a freebie. Yep. Well, literally, they know they gave me too much notice. Usually, they usually if they want to give the other guy a push, they would give you a couple weeks notice, two or three. They give him a they give him three months notice, and they. They call me up a couple weeks out and say, you want to fight Crow Cop? I said, hell no. (laughs) Two weeks weeks away, what do you mean do I want to fight Crow Cop? No, I'm not going to fight Crow Cop. I'm sipping on a Heineken at the time. I'm sitting on my couch watching TV and, uh, well, they just keep offering you a little bit more money, a little bit more money, and then finally you sell your soul to the devil and you say, okay, I'll fight him. But you know, I knew good and well I didn't have much of a chance. You can't be Crow Cop on two weeks, three weeks of training. You know, I should have been training the whole time, but I wasn't. You know, I wasn't. I usually waited, you know, stupidly. I, you know, took time off after fights, but I took too much time off after fights. And uh, I usually waited until they called and, and and made an offer to me. Then I'd, Then I'd start my camp, but. You know, this time I was like, I was wishing that, man, why have I been sitting on this couch for a month? You know, I was, you know, what? The, I've been, I, I did the grind for 40 years, you know. I mean, I was, I I needed some, you know, I was down after, the, you know, after the war fight and, you know, I was, I didn't want to end my career like that. And I went back and uh, I finally got an MRI. They've been asking me to get it. My doctor had been telling me to get an MRI on my hip for a long time. And I just, I told him no because I knew something was wrong, but I didn't want to find out. You know, I didn't want to find out. And then uh, finally I did. And when when the doctor calls you like at 7 a.m., if, he, if 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 there's nothing wrong, my doc would never call me. That's when I, I knew nothing was wrong. But when he when I seen the phone ringing at 7 a.m. and it was my doc, I said, "Oh shit, was wrong." And I I answered the phone. He said, "Hey." He was Puerto Rican, so he said, "Hey boy," he said, "Hey boy, you're finished." He goes, "You're done. You don't have no hip. You don't have no your hip is gone. You need surgery." Wow. He said, you need surgery. And I was just like, Oh my gosh, my career is over. It's just done that quick. It's done. I'm over. You can't fight with a hip replacement and you can't, you just can't do it. And, uh, um, so that's it. I, I've been salty ever since, but I'm not salty anymore. I've let it go. I've let a lot of things go. I'm in a better place. I'm in a peaceful place. I'm, I'm, I'm happy with everything, you know, instead of just being down and depressed. Well, no, man, I, got, I the Lord gave me a lot of highs, even back in wrestling, you know, national champion. Wow, man, that was, that was, man, as a kid, you dream of being a national champion. That was, that was as high as uh, winning the Grand Prix. I was just overwhelmed. And then I made, I won the Olympic trials. I couldn't believe it. I made the Olympic team, but then of course my ultimate goal was to win the gold medal. And I choked, you know, I choked, I got beat by two guys. I had beaten in the world championships a year earlier, um, flat out choked, you know, I, I, I should, I should have beat them and I didn't, they beat me. And, uh, so second in the world wasn't too bad. You know, I, I was pretty. I was down for a little bit, but then, then in all reality, I said, "Oh my! You know, I just took second in the world. That's not too shabby." And I got another year to train. I'm gonna come back and win the Olympics. But uh, you can't have a good. You, you you're gonna. You can't have a good tournament all the time. And I. I It was a bad time to have, you know, I still took seventh place, you know. I'm acting like I did horrible with seven places and not too shabby, but uh, I was looking for that gold medal. And uh, I always set my goals real high. And when I didn't get the gold medal, I wasn't, you know, I didn't take losing very well, you know. I I, go into a funk, and after I lost at the Olympics, I was burned out. All my life I just trained, you know, every day for that moment, and when it was over, I was burned out, man. I was tired of grinding and grinding. I never wist- missed a weightlifting session afterwards, but I didn't get I didn't go back in that wrestling room for a long time after the Olympics. You know, I took a long time off, but I I got bigger and stronger. I got bigger and stronger because I wasn't wrestling, so my body was growing. I got bigger, and uh, finally I I attempted a comeback. I actually beat Kurt Angle in 1995. I beat him in a Sunkissed Open tournament, and, uh, well, after I beat him, I kind of went back into a funk. Basically, what I'm getting at is I went back, and I didn't stay on the grind. You know, I was sipping on some wine. Mm, Gotcha. gotcha and well, Kurt Angle after I beat him, he had we had six months until the uh, World Trials. Well, he grinded and I didn't. And uh, well, he won the World Trials and then he went on to become the World Champion. I beat him the same year he won the World Championship, and then the following year, Mark Kerr took over. And after I won, after I, after '92, Mark Kerr took over the 220 pound weight class so he he had it for two years 93 and 94 yeah i think he placed it the worlds, and then it was kurt angle's turn kurt angle came in came in and uh he beat mark he beat him and he beat him in the trials mark Kerr. uh I think he outworked Mark Kerr and he finally he was younger than us, but he his age caught up and he was in his prime and he got Mark Kerr and he went on to win the gold medal. You know, I'm good friends with Kurt Angle. He uh, when I sustained my neck injury, he had multiple neck injuries. He got a hold of me and he sent me to this doctor that was the only doctor in the world that did this kind of surgery. He he's not even looking in your neck, he's looking up at his screen because the there's a camera in there he's, he's up in the screen shaving the bulging dick sh- shaving the bulging disc in my neck and if he messes up well I'm in big trouble because what is right there uh your your spinal cord right so right if it, if yep. this guy he's got a laser in there shaving the disc or if he makes one mistake well I'm, you know i'm I'm paralyzed. And I asked them afterwards when I woke up after the surgery, it was healed. There was no, there was no time to recover. I mean, you was, you was done. You had a big scar on your neck, but your neck was good. And it was good. I could tell I, I, you know, my, the whole left side of my body was atrophying up and I could tell that the nerve, the the sparks were firing again. And uh, it was a miracle. It was a, it was a miracle, but, I looked at the doc. I said, well, why can't you teach other people how to do this, man? This is amazing. Why can't you teach anybody else? And he looked at me and said, I can't teach anybody my hands. I'm an artist. He called himself an artist. He said, I can't can't give nobody my own hands. There is now people, more people have come to do this type of surgery. But at the time, he was the only one in the world to do it. Dr. Joe from, uh, I think he was from Korea, Dr. Joe he revived my career because I was out there fighting a couple of times. I don't know who I fought with the bulging disc. And basically I was out there fighting with one arm because I, you know, I just had to, I needed the paycheck and, uh, you know, I'm going to give it the best I can with one arm, but it didn't go so well. But then when I got the neck fixed, I made another comeback. And then that's when I, that's when I beat Shogun Hua. And that's one of my, favorite well yeah that's one of my favorites and the after fight was it was just as fun it was crazy fun you know we got 15 brazilians coming at me from all directions me baroni and my dad my daddy he wanted to get in the ring but i had I, I kept i was so worried about him i kept looking over saying you stay the stay the f out man stay the, stay the hell out of here because if somebody hits my daddy they wouldn't have been able to control me. I would have. I would have went on. A, I would have went on a mission to to kill somebody. Not kill, but I was going to hit some people hard. But he didn't come in. Brony did his job. At first, he was holding me back, and I I was getting irritated because he. I was trying to trying to break free because I felt the heat coming from all directions. Well, he let go just to, just at the right time, and wanley Silva. He kind of tackled him, silver fell into my arms, and uh did, uh I just posted a little i just posted a little video on instagram about it, and then somebody somebody chopped it up went from the smashing machine to the real pride fight to the because uh, pride blacked it out on t v when the when the when the After math started happening, they they blacked it out, so the camera phones came out. He got some camera footage. He got some Smashing Machine footage, and he got the actual Pride announcers. So he spliced three things together. I don't know how to do that. I liked it. It came out. I liked it. It was pretty smooth. brought back some good memories. And, yeah, Brony, uh, he did his job with Silva Silva ended up right underneath me. I was up against the rope. You got four security guys holding me up against the rope, and these Brazilians were taking cheap shots at me. And, uh, you know, whatever. I mean, you can't hurt me. And I looked down, and Wanderlei Silva is right below my feet, faced up, and and he had Brony in his guard, so to say. And I could have just really – I could have just stomped his face in like the – like the axe murder would have did he would have stomped my face in if the situation was reversed but that's not me man i'm not going to you know i could have caved his face in really really bad i'm not going to do that and it's just not in my blood that's not in my blood so i did place my foot on his neck gently i did put it on his neck gently to let him know that i'm right here and uh i heard the camera's clicking and uh, so I added a little bit to it. I grabbed the ropes and made it look like I was pushing down on them. But it's just not my style. But when I did put my foot on there, boy, he got pissed. My Silva Silver was really pissed. He got up, and I thought for sure he was going to come right back at me round three, you know. And, uh, no, he got up and basically just went back to his corner, and it was over. I mean, it was over, and then uh, then I freaking celebrated because it was the last fight on my contract. The last fight, and they they offered me a three-fight contract extension, but they offered me peanuts. And I told them, to, you know, I'm your Grand Prix champion. I did this, this, and this. You want to offer me fifteen grand? You can't even prepare for a fight with fifteen grand. So I said, you know, I, I, I said, I I blew them off. I bet on myself. I even called my family and said, if you can find a, a booking agency, I said, get your money together and put it on me because I'm going to beat Shogun Hua. And, uh, I bet on myself there. And, uh, I also, you know, I didn't, I didn't, signed no extension and then when I won that fight well finally for the first time I had some negotiating powers with pride and uh well I got paid quite well to fight Fedor. You know that I was the only guy that had to fight Fedor after that in America and they had to pay. I should have in hindsight uh, Dana White was calling. He wasn't calling me, but uh, his people were calling my managers, and they wanted to. They wanted me back, but Pride was offering, you know, four times as much money. I wanted it back in the UFC so bad, but I just couldn't. I couldn't turn down Pride's offer. You know, a huge payday against Fedor, and then two more fights guaranteed after that. Um, so I went with Pride, but. I still kind of still wish I would have went back to the UFC. Dana White was very pissed off at me. And then then they ended up buying Pride after that. Mm-hmm. And I had to sit you know I, everybody's saying, "Yeah, it Hammer's back in the UFC, but no Dana was going – He made me he made me he, he served my punishment, and that was making me. He didn't offer me a fight for two years, and I was already getting old. But when I came back, I came back, and they offered me Brock Lesnar. I'm weighing 225 pounds because I was heading down to 205, and they offered me Brock Lesnar. And I'm like, well, you know, I'm, I'm not. None of the Hammer House guys, we didn't turn down fights. They offered us, you know, random, and look at all the guys he fought. Look at all the guys I fought, all of us. We fought We fought a lot of beats. Phil Baroni, Wes Sims took any fight. Um, Mark Kerr, you know, he was hammer house. You know, he, he was hammer house, but he kind of, he fought anybody they put in front of him, you know, so we never turned down fights. And, okay, that's who I got. I'll fight him, Brock Lesnar, and I don't know. You know, maybe the Lord stepped in again because I was training for him. I was gonna. I I admit, I know size matters. I said that way back in UFC ten, and well, Brock Lesnar's weighing two hundred eighty five pounds. I'm two hundred twenty five pounds. It's it's going to be, it's going to be a tough one, Coleman. It's going to be a real tough one. I'm not saying I couldn't have won. I'm just saying it would have been it would have been very difficult. Well, it didn't happen because uh, I tore my ligament, my knee, preparing, and I had the MRI. You know, I had got the MRI. The proof was right there because I was so afraid the UFC was they were going to think I was bluffing, and Brock Lesnar was going to think I was bluffing. I sent him the MRI. But I told him, I said, listen, if you guys are going to cut me because of this, I said, I'll fight him. You know, please, just don't cut me. I, I will. I will this thing will, will heal up, and, and hopefully when I come back, hopefully you can find something at 205 in the perfect – it was the perfect setting to fight Shogun Hua for the second time. So it worked out, except uh, I don't know what the hell the ref's name was. But uh, Shogun Hua, he, he he dropped me with 20 seconds left, but it wasn't knocked out. My legs gave out on me, and simply I'm going to grab his legs. In, in Japan, I might have been in trouble because he would have did the foot stomp on me. But in, in 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 the UFC, he can't stomp on me. He's got to close the distance, and I'm just going to take him down. I think I took him down six, seven times that fight. I was just going to take him down again and see what the judges had to say. It was a very close fight, very close fight. He was, I was exhausted. He was exhausted. So I wanted to see the judge's decision. And I, I was, I was too tired to get up and probably luckily I was because I probably, I was going after that rap. I was probably going to get myself in some trouble, give him a nice big shove or something like stupid like that, but I was too tired to get up, so probably a blessing because then I would have got suspended and fined and all that bad shit. So but I'm still I'm still salty about that one. Real salty. And then and then UFC one hundred, I'm fighting UFC ten. I fighting UFC one hundred. Man, what the heck? This is awesome. I'm in the hundredth show. Stefan Bonner and, and nobody gave me a chance again, you know nobody gave me a chance against Stefan Bonner, but hey when i when I had a good training camp, and when I was in shape, hey, I was pretty good, I was pretty good, you know, so they didn't they they thought he was giving Bonner a free pass, but I came with my a game that night, and that was that ranks right up there. I was 44 years old, and I just beat a young kid in UFC 100. Um, You know, it's hard to separate. They're all fucking fun. They're all awesome. You know, get your arm raised, man. There's no feeling in the world like that. That's why I'm saying Conor McGregor, yeah, he's making, he's made his millions and millions, and now he's selling whiskey by by the big barrel, and it doesn't matter. He, he's 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 going to miss the high. He's got to get back in there because, uh, you know, there's no high like winning a fight and getting your arm raised. So, you know, money is good, but he's a competitor and he's still young. I guarantee he's going to get back in there because, you know, he just – he won't be able to – there's nothing that compares to it. So he'll be back in there, but he better get his ass working. He better stay off the whiskey, and and he better start training because uh, these boys are good. They're hungry. Khabib is a monster, man. He is a bad, bad fighter, and uh, uh, it's not a good matchup for Connor. You know, no.
2: maybe,
1: maybe Nate Diaz, everybody wants to see that. That's probably a little better matchup, Connor. That's the fight everybody wants to see. Uh you know, I don't know, there's a lot who else is in there? Ben Aspen is what what's Ben Aspen's weight? One hundred seventy, welterweight. Okay, well he's in the you know, right there. I'd like to see him and Connor grow at it too. I got my money on Aspen all day in that one. Aspen's a bad, bad guy. He he's he's brilliant with his tweets, he's brilliant with what he says, but he can back it up. I mean, I'm not gonna say his stand-up games. Uh, he ain't got a whole lot of a stand-up game, but hey, don't let him get on top of you because he's already said it. You ain't getting away. He's a leech, and he will he will find your neck eventually. I like Ben Askren. He's a you know the Lawler fight. Everybody says how controversial it was. I know now. I've known Robbie Lawler since he was 18, but he was not gonna get out of that even his he wasn't going to get out of it. So people just hate Ben Aspen so much that they just, they had to just say it was controversial. But really in my mind, there's no way Robbie was getting out of that. You know, it was just a matter of time.
3: I definitely agree. And, and before, you know, you mentioned the possibility of, possibly wrestling Brock Lesnar, or excuse me, fighting Brock Lesnar, and wrestling, obviously, in your past, Kurt Angle, obviously two guys that made a huge name for themselves in the pro wrestling world. And I kind of wanted to ask you, just to change gears just for a little bit, for a second, was your pro wrestling uh, career that you had. And you actually were a pro wrestler for a lot longer than even I had realized, and obviously mostly in Japan or all in Japan. Did you enjoy pro wrestling at all? Did you enjoy that aspect? Because in Japan, you know, you can make money fighting, but you can also make money in a good amount pro wrestling. Well,
1: that I mean, pro wrestling was uh yeah, they called me up. I I'd won the pride grand prix and then they offered me the same pay after I became the champion. They offered me the same pay as before I was the champion. So it didn't, you know, it, it didn't make sense. So, uh, no, I'm not taking that offer. And it 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 drug out for like eight months. And as the champ, you want to get right back in there, but I wasn't gonna get back in there for what they were offering. I knew what I was worth. And I just, I I knew what Mark Kerr was getting paid. I knew what Bo Chance was getting paid. I wanted that kind of money. And they weren't offering it because they didn't want me to be their champion. They weren't happy when I won that thing. I was not happy, and I just held out and held out. And then finally, they called me up and said, "Uh, well, can you pro-wrestle? I said, "Uh, I don't know. I think so. I mean, it didn't look too, especially the Japanese style, shoot style. You know, it's very hard and very stiff. Just the way I like it. American wrestling, uh I could have done that too, but in Japan it was my first match they, they they flew me in. It was the main event for New Japan, which is the big company over there. Big, big company. And they, they flew me in. I was the main event against Yuji Nagata. Pretty big name over there in Japan. They flew me in ten days before the before the match. I'm thinking I'm gonna have ten days of cramming cram session on how to pro wrestle well they didn't call me the first two days and i was fine with that because i i was just enjoying laying in my bed catching up on my sleep the jet lag and all that but then the third day they didn't call me and the fourth day they didn't call me then i called them on about the fifth day i was there i said well when in the hell am i gonna practice and uh the, the, whoever it was, they always got to go to somebody higher up. They go, oh, hold on for a second. And they go to somebody, and then they come back, and they said, well, your opponent, Mr. Nagata, he's not going to be in Tokyo until Friday. Well, the match was Saturday, so I was there for 10 days. I did nothing for nine days. And I we met, and we talked about We talked it over a little bit, and then basically it was just on, and I was very pleased with it because it was. Do I like it? Oh man, it was it was it was almost as close of high as the real fighting, because you're out there and you got to perform, you got to perform, and you got to think a lot harder, and you got to protect the other guy, you got to make big moves without hurting the guy, but you got to make it look big. And we did. We pulled it off. 21 minutes. We, Me and, me and Nagata went 21 minutes. And I got the win. And uh, did I like it? Hell yeah, man. When it was over, it was such a relief. And I got my arm raised. Uh, I was worried about if I'm going to be able to show emotion out there. Well, it, it, you didn't have to fake the emotion because it was real emotion, man. Damn, I just... I pulled it off in front of thirty thousand people, no, no practice, and and we got the thumbs up. And then yeah, I, I went on and I I don't know I probably wrestled about twenty five times over in Japan. They were all big shows. They had what they called a, Hustlemania, as in Wrestlemania. They called theirs Hustlemania, and I was the only American to make the cut. I was on the show. We was a we was a mid card fight. with tag team and uh, um, man, I wish I could remember my tag team. Me and Random and tag team together at first. After I went single, I said, "Well, you guys got to get Random over here. This that guy can do anything, you know." And he came over there. They tagged me and him up. We were the dream team, American wrestlers, and and we're getting a big push. But they decided to split us up because they wanted to we were both over, over as in the fans loved us. So they need to, they spread us out so they could keep, they could, you know, use both of us on, on some TV airtime instead of putting us together. I, I hated, uh, I had a black tag team with the monster rest in peace. My friend, he's get him in the hall of fame, baby. But I don't know if that's going to happen. I don't make those decisions. And it seems like the more you try to push, uh, I don't know what's going to happen. I sure wish he would have got in there. I sure think he deserves to be in that Hall of Fame. The, Jesus, the, the the he's got some of the sickest highlights ever. Fedor, Krokop, and not many people seen him do the double knees to the head. He had a north south position. He would jump up in the air and he'd come down with a left-right. I've never seen anybody do that. Randleman was something else, man. He was amazing. He he would come off the top rope. He would fly so far and land a flying elbow on the, on his wrestling opponent. And I mean, he he covered half the ring. That's, what I said. That's why I said I thought I was Kevin Randleman when I tried to jump out of the ring. He would have made it. Kevin Randleman would have made it over them three ropes and landed on the ground. He might have blew his knee out, but uh, he sure in the hell would have tried. Okay. You couldn't. There wasn't a challenge that Kevin Randleman didn't like. If he challenged him, he, he would go ahead and he, I, I can do that. He would say, and uh, most of the time he did do it. But he had a lot of. Rand, Kevin had a lot of injuries, and he had a serious staff infection that went septic. Uh, you know, it just it tore him up, man. He was, he was, he was beat up, damaged goods, but he fought. Look at the guys he fought, man. You know, we, we was pretty stupid. We just we just didn't think we could get beat. We were that confident, and he, we put him in there. What I did, I mean, I don't blame myself because you know that's what the offer was. And Kevin was game, and I just didn't think me or Kevin could get beat. And uh, but once they shut the cage, I looked over and I seen the size of Tom Erickson. I'm like, oh man, I got a, I got a little bit worried. And that was uh, probably one we shouldn't have took. You know, just just too much size on Tom Erickson and uh yeah, my buddy almost died that night. I mean Erickson Erickson rocked him hard. Should Ch- put him in the front of headlock like choke, him and somehow squeezed his way out of it, but he was still on he was still on Queer Street or I don't know if I get in trouble saying that I'm allowed to say that? Oh yeah. All right, random was and- still on queer street and then then old tom erickson hit him with some big big punches man dropped him and then he he, he was out when he hit the ground and i'm um, you know yamasagi let him fight and uh well the big cat tom erickson's a nice guy but you know once that cage is shut he's got fear as well he just wanted it to be over but Randomly took three punches that he shouldn't have took, three extra punches where the ref probably should have stopped that one. And when I got into the cage, by the time I got into the cage, he's on his back, out conscious, tongue's going down his throat, and there wasn't very many medical people there, so it was very very scary day for me because I thought maybe I thought I was going to lose my friend that night, you know. But you no, know, he finally woke up. Thank God he woke up and and. He carried him out on a stretcher, and uh, uh, Yamasaki looks at me and said, "He said Coleman, don't let your boy go out like this." And I looked at Randleman. And I, you know, I pulled the, I pulled the gurney back into the cage, and I said, "Come on, Kev, we're going to walk out of here." Not so smart, but you know what? That's just the fucking way we did it. What are you going to do? That's the way we did it. I I strapped his arm around my shoulder. I basically carried him out of there, but he walked out of there and and uh <laughs> Eric Smith was there that night. He fought uh he fought Pele Landy, who was ranked number one in the world at the time. Eric Smith was another wrestler from Ohio State. Um people don't know him because uh his career was cut short because he, you know, there was no money. He had to go to work, he graduated, he had to go make money. And uh, he fought Pele Landy, beat him, 20 minutes, beat him. He came back to the locker room. He, he fell on the floor because he'd never been through a 20-minute war like that. He laid down, and basically me and Randleman had, had to tell him to get up. It's time. He's like, no, just let me lay here for a little longer. Get up. You're up pretty soon. You know, the second fight comes quick, and the second fight was uh, – uh, Hollywood Dan Henderson And uh, he was just They were both just getting their start And uh, he shot in On a double leg on Henderson Picked him up Henderson's got the guillotine locked up And Eric Smith Picks him all the way up in the air They're standing straight up and down upright And then uh, Eric Smith just went Limp and uh, that was it Fell off so he fought He fought Pele Landy and he fought Dan Henderson, and then he had to retire because he had to go get a job. That's too unfortunate because he could have been a good one. Eric Smith was—he could have been a good one. All two-two time All-American, maybe three-time All-American at Ohio State. Just fit the mold, man. He fit the hammer house mold. We were all, we all had, we all had similarities,
0: and they were—we like to win. Hey, let's pause one second to tell you about my bookie. It's a new NFL season, but one thing that hasn't changed is where we're putting our money down on all the NFL games. My bookie is the place to bet on football every single weekend. My bookie has better bonuses and more prop bets than any other sportsbook. Period. This year, they're hosting the first online handicapping super contest, where the first place is guaranteed to win at least hundred thousand dollars, and it only costs a hundred dollars to enter. All you got to do is pick five NFL games against the spread every week to climb to the leaderboard and score your share of the huge cash prize pool we wouldn't recommend a service like this to our listeners if we didn't think it was good so head on over to myBookie right now because if you bet you win they pay my bookie has live in-game betting on every nfl game they've got the most rewarding player perks in the business and for you fantasy guys out there you can even bet the over under on how many fantasy points a player will score each game so here's our two-man power trip call to action all you got to do is enter the pro Promo code TM Power to activate the offer. They're going to give you up to a thousand dollar first deposit bonus, and it's all by using the promo code TM Power. So visit my bookie online today. That's M Y B O O K I E. And don't forget to use our promo code TM Power when you're creating your account to claim the bonus, because with my bookie, you bet, you win, you get paid. And we want to thank my bookie for joining the two man power trip of wrestling podcast family. Wanted to ask you because I know you mentioned a couple of
3: favorite fights you had. What do you think is is your favorite fight? Is it the Severn? Is it beating Igor? Is it you know maybe you know beating Don Fry not once but twice? Like what what do you say? What's your favorite fight?
1: I've I've already said that. I've already explained it. It's just so it's 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 so hard for me to to really they were all you know Don Fry was just wow I did it man and then. Dan Severn, wow, I'm the first champion. And then the Pride Grand Prix, man, you know, that, I'm I'm kind of leaning towards that, but yet I'm not, because they were just all the same feeling, you know, just, I did it. And then, uh, um, Shogun Hua, I was counted out for the dead again. I I beat him, and then the after fight, that night was a great, great night. And then, Stephen Bonner, uh, I'm 44 years old, and I'm in U. I'm back in the UFC, UFC 100. That one is one of my favorites. There was no belt on the line, there was no title on the line, no belts involved. But I was 44 years old, and I just beat a pretty tough young kid, and I was, I, I felt like I could fight on forever. I thought I was going to fight forever but no the your day comes everybody's day comes when it's over and and that, that happened real quick after I beat Bonner I had one fight left and then a body was falling apart you know it was starting to fall apart it held up it held up real good Marie Smith warned me he said he said well wait till you hit 40 Coleman I said what and uh, sure enough, when I hit 40, he was right. Things started going wrong. Things started going wrong. And by the time I was 44, I was really feeling it. And then finally I got my hip checked and it was just shot. There was no hip there. There was no cartilage. It was bone on bone. That's why I was in so much pain. I didn't know why I was in so much pain. It was The pain was all down in my knee. It was in my back. It was in uh, uh, my hip. Was in my growing, uh, I didn't know what the hell was wrong, but it, it all came from the hip. And then when they took a picture of it, yeah, it was just over. I got the phone call at 7 a.m. You're done, boy. That's what the that's what my doctor, Dr. Eric Serrano, famous doctor, you're done. I'll never forget it. You're done, boy. Your career's over. You need hip replacement now. I'm like, no. Damn, I knew I shouldn't have got that MRI. Because if I didn't get the MRI, I would have kept fighting. You know what I mean? But when I got the MRI, it's it. You know, I had to had to. They got to take it out, put a put a fake hip in there, and then that one ended up getting infected. Got infected septically about a year and a half later, and it popped out six times. Man, it popped out of socket six times. I don't know. If you, I don't know if you're feeling me on this, but uh, six times, man. You, you want to know what? That's that. I've never had any kind of pain compared to that. You're talking severe pain. Call nine one one. You know, please, I need help. My hip is hanging out the side pocket, and I can't move. You know, six times, and then finally they went into. It was just going to change the ball and socket. But when the doctor cut me open, he basically got squirted in the face with a bunch of staff because it was just completely saturated with staph septically. It, it it ate a it it ate away a bunch of my muscle in there, so that hip was not they they I had to go on a pick line for three months, to put a temporary hip in. I had to go on a pick line to get rid of the infection, then they take the temporary one out. They finally put the third one in. It's still in there. It's doing good, but uh uh I can feel it. I can feel it's it's just not it's it's I can't get that I can't get that uh the confidence back. Cuz when it popped out six times, I'll never forget that. You know, I I can't forget that. And then uh well, I was obviously using my left leg a lot more. So I destroyed that hip, and uh, well, in, in a two or three year span, the, the surgery came so far. I had a new surgeon. He went in, and uh, my left hip is solid. You know, my if, if my right hip was as strong as my left hip, I would still be over in Japan. I, I would never have fought again with the hip. It's too too scary, man. But I would have. I could have been over there doing pro wrestling over in Japan. So, I mean, you can do pro wrestling in your fifties. If you got a big enough name, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to do it all the time, but they're going to bring me over three, four times a year for the big show. And, uh, that would have been a blast. Cause, uh, did I like pro wrestling? Hell yes. I just missed my chance in the WWE. It signed Shamrock and then Severn, and then tank Abbott. And, uh, Shamrock did great, Severn and Tank Abbott, they didn't quite get over at all, Tank Abbott didn't get over at all, they paid him three years, guaranteed three year contract, but uh, his gimmick didn't work in pro wrestling, you know, he used the, the, he was the Tank Abbott from MMA, he was badass in MMA, He's one of the first and original people willing to talk shit. It took go- it took balls to talk shit. Most guys would get on there and, oh, I'm just happy to be here. I've trained very hard. Thank you for this opportunity. You know, very general. You know, but Tank, no, he spoke his mind and uh, then, uh, hey, Phil Brone is one. He was one of the original shit talkers on the. He was he's still talking shit on the mic. He's good at it. Kale Sunning comes to mind. And then, obviously, Conor McGregor was great at it. He was the best. And now Ben Askren is just boom-roasting people. I mean, how many many people say boom roasted"? man? The dude's got it. He's got 500,000 followers. Hey, he's going to be – he's got – and half of them are haters. A lot of people don't like Ben Askren. Well, that's the way he planned it. He's a villain, and he's very sly about it, very sneaky about it, because you can no longer just win. You can't just win and expect to be a big draw. you got to have the total package. you got to have the it factor, like the swagger of Conor McGregor, the way he walked like that. His walk is, is mimicked by many people. I mean, and... That's uh, that's quite a compliment to the man when everybody's doing your walk, and he walked the walk, and for a while there, he talked to talk, but he hasn't done much lately. Tell you what, he better learn how to wrestle, and it's too. It's not. It's almost too late because it takes a it takes a year, you know, solid year of wrestling for him to really get good enough to be able to. Stop the good ones like Khabib. You know, I mean, he he he's not going to be able to stop Khabib's takedown. I mean, he, he's never going to be able to stop it because it's too late for him. Unless he locks himself in the gym for six months and he wrestles, 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 then he may get it down. But I don't think he's got. I don't think he's got it in him to do that. So he's going to stick to the way he trains and he can beat 95% of the people out there. He's damn, damn good guy, but he ain't getting the gold strap. He's not going to get the gold strap back. He, you know, don't get me wrong. He's, he's always got that uh, power in both hands where he can get a knockout, but you can't, you can't bank on that all the time. Cause uh, I'll go with Khabib every, you know, I go with Khabib every time. And then, uh, I think Ben Askren takes him out real easy because Ben Askren would get in on him so quick and so easy and he'd have McGregor on the ground and he would choke his ass out probably. But mm-hmm. yep, that's just the way it goes. I said in UFC 10, if you can't wrestle, you can't fight. And now it's still true. People think, uh, well, it's all stand-up. Well, the reason it's stand-up is because everybody's learned how to wrestle. So the takedown doesn't come so easy. Ground and pound—it's not so easy to do anymore. Khabib, I love Khabib because he's a—he can ground and pound. You know, what I mean Chael Sonnen. Look how many fights he won with ground and pound. He was a great ground and pounder. I love Chael Sonnen. Did I mention him as one of the best shit talkers ever? I think. Yes, I did. you did. I, yep. Yeah, yep. I don't. Did I miss out on who else is pretty good on that mic? Who am I missing out on? Anybody you can think of? Mm.
3: No, you got Tank. Chael, Connor, Ben well, Askren. Tank, Tank, Tank Abbott Tank, was definitely a
1: good one. Tank was first. And then uh, Phil Broni. Come on, I got to give my boy a shout out. Oh, yeah, guy. New York he's
3: Badass, a, yep.
1: The New York Badass, he's got some – you watch his highlight video, and that's I was in his corner for damn near all of them, and I watched this guy go through wars, man. Wars back and forth. Wars. He took a lot of shots. He gave a lot of shots, and uh, I don't know if I'm allowed to mention it right now or not. But the badass is going to be back in the ring here again. You know, he's going to be back in there. Um, I, you know, I, I, you know, I worry about people's health and safety, but it doesn't matter. So Brony's got pride. And he wants back in there again, and nobody's going to tell him otherwise. But he's got a big fight coming up. Uh, I'm not going to say what it is because I don't know if I'm supposed to or not. I just found found out about it today. I got a call from his manager, um, big fight, can I go? I'm like, wow, you know, that's crazy because – Phil Brony's one hell of a wrestler, pro wrestler, too. You've seen what he's doing in pro wrestling. He's great. Yep. He's a, yeah. He's a, he's a great villain. If he was if he was 25 instead of, uh, if he was 23 instead of, I don't want to, I, he'd get pissed off by, I don't know what his age is. I think he lies about it a lot of times. Uh, so mm-hmm. I'll say, I, I think he's been stuck on 39 for a few years,
2: <laughs> you know. <laughs>
1: But if he was 23, I, uh, you know, I guarantee you my boy would have made it in the WWE because he's got the it factor. He's got, he's got it, you know. He's he plays the villain very well. He plays the villain very well, and he's got the looks. He's got the, the mic work, and then uh, he can pro wrestle. It's a different, it's a different fight, but it takes a lot of skill to get out there and make things look real without hurting your opponent because these guys gotta they gotta last a long time it's it's a brutal wWE is a brutal schedule i mean they're on they're on the road how many days a year flying and traveling they gotta wrestle that's why you know a lot of them get hooked on the painkillers because they need the painkillers to to keep them going you know it's such a hard people don't i hate when people call it fake It's just not a good term for it. It ain't fair. Uh, It ain't fair to call it fake. Yes, it is predetermined entertainment, but it's hardcore entertainment, man. These guys do some crazy, crazy dangerous shit. And it's, uh, it's, it's a feeling of satisfaction when the match is over and you did a good match and the crowd was happy. It's satisfaction. You did your job, and it's not hard to show emotions because it's real emotions. And you're always looking to get your hand raised. But if you don't, you got to sell it. You got you to gotta sell it like you're sad, and you really are sad. It's not hard to show. It's because it's, it's real. Pro wrestling is real. It's not fake. It's predetermined, yes, but it's not fake. It's high risk. And I I got nothing but respect for all those guys and girls. Look what Ronda Rousey did, brother! Look what he, look what she did, man! She's in WrestleMania main event, first time ever for a female to be in a WrestleMania main event. And they they that's the most I think that's the most prestigious you know show they have is WrestleMania. I'm good friends with The Undertaker, man. He's so cool, so nice, but he's the WrestleMania king. I mean, he went years, like, I don't know how many years in a row he won that main event. And then finally, finally Brock took him. Finally Brock took him, and people were pissed. People were furious when, when uh, The Undertaker had to put Brock over. But that's That's the way it goes. And Brock's done one hell of a job in there. He's awesome in that cage, man. I mean, and he's awesome in the uh, squared circle or whatever they call it, squared circle. Brock's great, and now he's going to be coming back. And I I don't have no problem with him getting a shot at the title. A lot of people do. That's their opinion. That's fine. Well, guess what? You know, these guys paid $4.2 billion for this company, and Brock Lesnar is going to People want to see him, and that's what it's all about. You know, I I I kind of feel for other guys that have working their way up the rankings, but at the same time, it's uh, when, when you, you got a chance to do three million buys with Brock Lesnar, or or a million and a half buys with somebody else. Well, it's business. It's business. I know. I know they're put, you know, should be uh, rankings and this and that, but at the same time, hey, the sports got to, it's got to survive. These guys paid a lot of money, four point two billion dollars. That's uh, you're right up there with the Dallas Cowboys, you know, as far as value. But they got to get their money back. They paid a lot of money for it, and uh, I understand it, and I also understand why people get frustrated because there's favoritism or whatever. But you know, I mean, he did something to be able to draw that many buys, and uh, I'm looking forward to DC and Brock Lesnar. I can't wait to watch that one. I'm excited. I you know, if I was a if I was a betting man, which well, I do sometimes, I guess, but uh, I'm going with DC. I mean. I'm going to go with DC, but again, Brock Lesnar's hands are—they're enormous. They're huge. But is he fast enough to 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 get it to Cormier's head? I don't think. I don't. You know, he might, but I don't think he will. Cormier is a bad, bad dude. He's the goat. He's the one of the best ever. A good friend of mine. We did a lot of. We did a few auto guest signings together. We hung out together a few nights and I loved the guy. He's such a good guy, such a nice guy, family man. He's 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 come up uh you know, he, he he fell he fell short a lot of times in wrestling. He always fell just a little bit short of what he was looking for and then he finally got it. You know, he finally got the belt. He got a lot of slack for the 205 because he never really beat John Jones. But then when he won the heavyweight championship belt against Stipe, I was helping Stipe prepare for him. He lives in Cleveland, so you know they brought me and uh, Adam Masavalo up there. We had them Wednesday nights wrestling practice, and uh, oh man, it was it it gave me life. You know, what I mean, I felt great. I'm I'm doing something. I'm doing something. This is what I love. It's Wednesday nights, but we put it to old Stepe. I didn't put it to him. I used two other people to shark bait in on this guy, and I I screamed for three five-minute rounds. I screamed mostly at the guys that were pushing Bay because I had to make sure they never gave him a – don't ever give him a break. You got to simulate the fight, and uh, if I'm not yelling – well, they're, they're taking a break and chilling. So I had to yell for five minutes. I had to make sure. I'm sure I annoyed the hell out of him, But Steve i I'm sure I annoyed the hell out of him. But by the end of them three five minute rounds, uh, uh, he was uh, looking up at the sky saying, Damn, why am I so tired? Well, the reason you, if, if you're not tired, and me and Adam Masavino didn't do our job as a coach. You're supposed to be tired, Stepe. That was war, man. You just went three five minute rounds with with, with two very good college All American wrestlers. And when you shark bait somebody, well, you're supposed to get tired because some guys are fresh, move, switching in, switching in and off on him, and and pushed him hard. Stepe was ready, but. uh Give DC credit man and uh, this he, he got him he studied him he he knew his weakness he knew one weak spot he always had a tendency to do something when from the clinch when he backed out of the clinch he would always drop his hands and DC's guys scouted it they knew it and that was their game plan and it worked he the DC dropped Stepe I feel bad for Stepe because I love the man he's such a great guy nice guy a uh, fireman, uh, or daddy, um, um, a husband. The, DC's not, I mean, he's not the draw. Stipe's got to, you know, there's another one. Stipe's got to be saying, well, I need a rematch with DC, and Brock gets to come in there and just grab it. Well, sometimes, sometimes life's. that's the way it treats you. Life is tough. It's supposed to be. Life is very, very tough. It's supposed to be so, and uh, I wish I wish Stipe would get a rematch with him. I think he deserves it. I just don't know if it's going to happen because I think DC. I don't know, man. You just if he if he beats Brock,
2: um,
1: you know I know he's still deep in his heart wants a third third fight with John Jones. So. That would be a mega, mega, mega fight. So Stipe's just—I don't know what's going to happen to him because he. I'm just telling you, he's one of—he's—he's he's probably the hardest working man I've ever seen. He works so hard. Maybe, quite possibly, he works too hard. Overtraining. I don't, you know, Dan Gable, the great Iowa head wrestling coach. My one of my heroes. He never believed there was such thing as overtraining. It's impossible to overtrain. So everybody's got their opinion on overtraining and rest, and everybody's got different different ways to work. But, I, you know, Stipe, you know, I'm not his coach, but from what I saw, man, he does the grind, and he don't take a day off. He grinds and grinds and grinds. And, you know, I don't know, you know, maybe – He trains too hard. That's saying a lot. But I hope he gets a shot. I hope he gets a shot. But D.C.'s got Brock, and then he's going to be, hey, man, D.C. wants, I know he wants another piece of John Jones. He wants another chance. But he may walk off to the sunset. Not many people ever walk off to the sunset on top because they just, they're just gonna test themselves again, and he can't—he can't win forever. And it takes balls to walk. If DC walks away after beating Brock, forty years of age, like he said he was gonna do, well, that's hard to do. And if he does it, I—I mean, great, great for him. But I got a feeling that you just can't get that feeling, and he'll miss it. He'll he'll be on the mic talking. He's great on the mic calling calling fights. He's really great. But man, I know he's just if this is hypothetical because he's got to beat Brock first. But I, I know I just don't see him retiring after Brock. He'll fight somebody again, and, and I, I I I I would like to see him fight Jones again. But I'd also like to see him fight Stipe again. And then, geez, what about Nagano? Holy crap! Mm, Yep. Hopefully, I mean that guy is ferocious. He hits harder than anybody in the history of any sport. Is what? Am I correct on that? Is a fact check? Is that a fact check? Yes. Hardest punch. Hardest punch of all time. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they tested it, and uh, the proofs in the testing. He hits hard. Harder than Tyson, I think. You know what I mean? Probably a lot harder than Tyson, I would say so. The dude's a beast, but can't wrestle, can't fight. And that is, you know, can't wrestle. I mean, he can fight. Don't get me wrong, he can fight. But if he goes up against a badass wrestler, Stipe, Stipe's a very, very good wrestler, but he's he's not Olympic caliber, you know. But he's very, very good wrestler. But you know, um, Naganu And Daniel Cormier, boy, that would be a size difference in that one. But I'm still going to put my money on DC because he's that smart. He's that good. But Nagano needs to change. Uh, He needs to change the way he trains. He needs to get a different camp maybe, but he needs to start working on his wrestling. And uh, it just wears you out. Wrestling just wears a person out. Nobody wants to wrestle. I did. I was coach on Tough 19 with BJ Penn, and uh, nobody wanted to wrestle. You know, I said, "BJ, are we going to ever fucking wrestle?" And it was like day three, and the other team had five wrestlers. Frankie Edgar picked all five of these Division One, Division Two, really good wrestlers. We didn't get one of them. I, I, after the teams were picked, I really was scratching my head, saying, "I think we're in a lot of trouble." And we were in a lot of trouble. It was one of the all five, all four um, finalists were from the red team. We didn't have one representative. And I told BJ, get me one of them damn wrestlers. Get me at least one of them. But you know, everybody was telling BJ who to get, and he just was out there winging it. You know, he did pretty good, but we got smoked. Can't wrestle, can't fight. So Naganu yeah, again, he he needs to he he, he he like McGregor. McGregor needs to focus, you know, a lot of hours in the wrestling, it it's hard, man. It's really the hardest training you can have. There's no harder training than wrestling because we I put the tough guys through a three five minute wrestling match. And usually after practice, that's all we want. We drilled for about twenty minutes, and then three fives. That's what I. That's what the coaches did when I was going for the Olympic team. When I was going for the uh, uh, Olympics, they would stick a fresh guy on me, three matches, three matches, and that was it. Three five-minute matches, and that was the end of practice. Well, that's all you can take if you if you go out there and dog it. You can do you can do 7 8 wrestling matches but if you go out there and you put it all on the line for 3 5 minute matches it's brutal it's a brutal sport man that's what that's why my hips are all fucked up not from fighting my hips and my my neck and my back i you know most of it's from wrestling not the fighting fighting was easy on my body not not so easy on the head but the body and i didn't get hurt I didn't get hurt fighting. I got hurt wrestling. My body's beat up. And hopefully, you know, hopefully my head's not. I protected my head pretty good. I really didn't take any. I didn't take that many. Pete Williams and Crow Cop got me. Shogun Hua, I'm not giving him credit for a KO. Officially in the books as a KO, but I'm not giving it to him because I wasn't KO'd and I would have took him down one I, I like I said before I wanted to get up and I would have I wanted to choke that ref but luckily I I was too tired to get up cuz so I probably would have got my shit I might have got cut that night and my UFC might have cut me right after that fight
2: <laughs>
1: they were thinking right. about it, even they were they were considering it cuz I seen Joe Silva you know in, at the after fight party uh I seen him he come up to me and he's, you know, I got fight of the night. And when I'm talking to Joe, I said, well, what's next, Joe? You know, what are you thinking? And he's like, uh, well, Mark, you know, I'm not sure. You know, I I could kind of see where he was going with the subject. I said, what are you, th- you talking, what are you getting at? You're not going to cut me, are you? He's like, Mark, I'm worried about you. I'm worried about your health and your safety. You know, you, you know, father time comes. I said, no, trust me. Trust me. I didn't have a good training camp for Shogun Hua. I said, I will be ready for whatever's next. And it just happens. I, I talked him into giving me another shot, and they put me in with Stefan Bonner, UFC 100. And, well, I showed up. I showed up again, and that was uh, like a, that was that was as high as the grand. They were all so close, just winning, man. Just winning. Any win was awesome. Anytime you win was just awesome. So it's hard to separate them, unless you know. I'm not going to say when I beat Julian Sanchez, I'm not going to put that up there. <laughs> you know Julian. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, I love him, but I'm saying he shouldn't have been in the cage. Let's put it that way. You know what I mean? It wasn't fair. That was that was a, that that one didn't get me so high because that uh, was that was a, a gimme, if you want to call it that. A gimme. I was the UFC 10 champ, UFC 11. Me and Tank in the finals. That's what they wanted, and they you know Julian Sanchez was just there. And unfortunately, tank blew he he ruined the party because uh I wanted to fight tank. I wanted to fight the big name tank, and uh well, Scott Ferrozo showed up that night, showed up ready to go three hundred seventy five pounds something like that Scott Ferrozo, and they went at it for twenty minutes. I was sitting in the back room, I got the winner. And I was just kinda of licking my chops saying, geez, these guys are beating each other up. Whoever I got's gonna be dead. And uh Frozen wins, but he come backstage and he uh he basically collapsed in his locker room. They put him on a gurney and took him to the hospital. So who am I gonna fight in the finals? First person they asked was Tank Abbott. And they said, Tank, you know, you want to get back in there and fight Coleman? And Tank looked at him and he gave him the bird and said, the bird says what he said. Fuck you. I'm not not getting back in that cage and fighting Coleman right now. He He took 30 knees to the stomach, man. So then they went to uh, the alternate. I forget his name. It was a young Brazilian was the alternate winner. They went to him, and uh, his camp, I think they decided it's not really a good day to fight Coleman, and they, they told him his hand was broke, pretty much said his hand's hurt, his hand's broke, he can't fight. So they had no more options. They did have one more option, and I love it, because they went out into the stands, and they asked Don Fry. Who was sitting in the stands watching UFC 10, and they asked him if he will fight me, and he did not hesitate. He said, "Hell yes, I'll fight him." He just he he wanted to fight me again so bad. He hated me after our first fight. He didn't know me, but he just that's just Don Fry, man. That's it's, that's him. He's a he's a savage warrior. And he could not, he could not handle, he could not stand the fact that I beat him like I did. And he just, he wanted to rematch from day one. He wanted to rematch. It took us five years to get back in together over at pride, but, uh, he was banged up. And, uh, that's when I had my neck injury myself, you know, before the surgery, I'm, I was, so we were both two old turds out there, but, uh, same thing happened as the first fight, except only I I didn't have my my favorite weapon, which would be what the headbutt. The headbutt. I couldn't headbutt him, so I beat him pretty solidly. It was pretty much the same as the first one, just take away the headbutts. But you know, the 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 first one, you you'll never see a fight like that again. Me and Don Fry, they they just would never they should have stopped it a long time earlier. You know, I took uh, Don Fry says basically I lost a couple years of my life that night because I took his heart, I took his soul, and I, I mean, he took too many to the head that night. They should have stopped it. But that's just the way the rules were back then. And, uh, you know, Big John, he was just doing his job. He was learning on the job too. You know, he's got a – he just he he just don't he just don't become the greatest referee of all time without practice. I mean, he had to live on the job, live and learn on the job. But then he, mad respect for John, mad respect for John McCarthy. I mean, the guy he was the best in there. He was the man in charge. I I think he's. I can't say the best because I haven't watched all the other reps, but I you know, he was pretty damn good in there, don't you think?
3: Yeah, absolutely, and you know, speaking of the best, one of the all-time greats yourself, the Godfather. Of the ground and pound, the first ever UFC heavyweight champion. I mean, such an honor to get you on for as long as we got you on. It's awesome. And I just want to mention, for the fans out there, please follow Mark Coleman on Instagram at Mark D Coleman, and of course, I would definitely suggest following him on Twitter as well at Mark Coleman MMA. Mark, it's been uh, an absolute honor and a pleasure to get you on. UFC Hall of Famer. I mean. The credentials, the resume, it's uh, off the charts. I just wanted to thank you again and uh, appreciate all the time you gave us tonight. Awesome stuff.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, I'm looking at the clock. You know, we're over an hour here. I'm sure now hoping you're going to splice that up a little bit. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. You, you're going to have to. But Hey, but what part are you going to chop out? I can't
3: think of one to chop out. It's too good.
1: Ah, uh, shit, man. I rambled on, but... Uh... Yeah, it was no, cool. I, I, I mean, I'm in good spirits. I, I, you know, I was down for so long, and I was, I felt just like, uh, you know, I just didn't feel like I did anything. And but now um, I'm seeing things differently, and I realize I did a lot. Man, I did a yeah. hell of a lot, oh, yeah. and, and I'm grateful and thankful to the Lord. And now I'm preaching sober life is the only life, because, uh, you know. I did drink my alcohol, and I did get in a lot of trouble when I did it. So, I'm much better placed now. I'm sober, and I'm I'm seeing straight. Um, I'm not fighting, but you know what? I got I got my swagger back, and I'm gonna and uh, I'm gonna capitalize on all the business opportunities I have out there. I'm gonna take advantage of what I did, and I got to turn it into some money. So I can take care of my kids and take care of my family and everything. I mean, it's there, it's right there for me to grab. I just didn't know it, and then I just, you know, one day I, I just, one day I said, I'm on. I'm going to do it. And I just started tweeting. I started doing Instagram. I started asking
2: people
1: advice because there's tricks to the trade. I need, I need that blue check mark on Twitter, but I. I, I i've i been told what i have to do it used to be easy but now you gotta i'll get the paperwork filled out but i never knew how important that blue check mark was It verifies you is that is mark because there's a lot of imposters out there but the check mark means that's the hammer and uh yep i need to get that i need to keep tweeting i need to keep talking to people uh uh, doing podcasts, I'm gonna I'm gonna be on the old. You probably cut this part out, but you know, let's face it, Joe Rogan's the, the top dog in this business. You, yeah, yes, okay. He is. I'm glad I'm glad you agree with me. You're pretty damn good yourself. I mean, you should have cut me off a bunch of times. I'll just give you a little advice. You gotta learn. <laughs> you gotta know how
2: to. You gotta you know how to. You,
1: you gotta know how to chop somebody off. But uh, no, I just you know I don't know. I just. I'm in a talkative mood these days. Hey, and, it's all, uh, all good. Appreciate it. Well, it's all good to you, but you know, I'm sure some people will say it's not all good. It's boring as shit.
3: They boring
1: Dave hey. Meltzer, the great Dave Meltzer. Do you know him?
3: Yes, I do very well. Yes,
1: he's the GOAT. He's the best at, at what he does. He he He's the writer, journalist, and... Uh, I won UFC 10, and I read his little. Um, he he had that little. What do you call it? The paper. Newsletter. His newsletter. His nice little newsletter. I couldn't wait to get that because uh, you know you read the. Uh, he he was just good. I just won UFC 10. I wanted to see what Meltzer had to say about me, and he said. Uh, uh, he said, "Well, they created a monster," in Mark Coleman. But then he said, but he lacks a little bit in the charisma category. I was like, I was was just crushed. I'm like, oh, because Meltzer knows. Trust me, Dave Meltzer knows. But uh, I had to prove him wrong. And hopefully I did show that I had some charisma. And I don't know. I mean, and then, but then me and Meltzer, I was kind of bothered by it. It bothered me. But I, he was right, you know. I had to step up my game. You know, you gotta, you gotta, you know, you gotta say some things sometimes. You can't be afraid and just say, "Oh, I trained very hard for this fight. I'm going to do my best." And uh, you know, just boring. You gotta, you gotta be willing to put it out on the line. But, and that's the big part of the game now. I mean, some guys are great at it, and some guys try to be great at it. And let's face it, you know the people I named Baroni, like I said, warrior. You know, just uh how many wars has he been in, but he just uh his body still his body still God has it in him, his mind has it in him and uh he's gonna keep fighting until until um people until people stop offering him fights. I mean, he's the New York badass. He keeps getting fights lined up for decent pay. He's gotta make a living, man. You know, he's gotta he's gotta be able to survive. So all right, so tell man, can I get off here and get something to eat?
3: Yeah, absolutely, yes. Yeah. I all thank right. you, uh thank you very much. Appreciate it all the time.
1: All
2: right, you have a good night.
0: Thanks for listening to the two man power trip of wrestling what the world is downloading.